You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Cinema. I am Large William. Across the border from me is not my partner in crime, Sammy. Sammy has been felled by uh, a bug that fells everyone this time of year, uh, so he was not able to join us. So we were supposed to be joined by very special co-host. He'll be joining us next week instead, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. I'll let you guys know what it is recovering. So instead, it presented us an opportunity to do something that's become a bit of a an annual tradition in its own right here, and that's our top 30 first-time watches of the year. Um, I think last year might have been the first year we'd done it. Maybe it was the second year. I can't recall. But um, it's become a thing where we have a, you know, a few dear friends on, and we talk about our top 30 first-time watches. So this isn't films that we've uh, seen in 2015, sort of all the awarding films. It's films from basically this sort of self-imposed rule is 2011 working back from there. Um, so today I'm joined by three very fine gents, one who is with me on the East Coast, although he's on the other side of the border, and two on the West Coast. So on the East side of things here, uh, we have uh, our main man on the blog, our favorite beer brewer, Todd. Todd, how are you, man? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Like um, a billion bucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe half a million. Exactly. Exactly. Now, across the border, we are across a few time zones, the Pacific time zone. It's not 4.15 a.m., it's 1.15 a.m. So these guys are kind of tired in a different way. And the first of them is someone who's been on the show before. This is your third appearance, isn't it, Kelly? That it is. Yeah, so Kelly, uh, of course, you all know from being the man who consumes media like no other. Um, he is back, and he's going to give us his top 30 first-time watches. And how are you feeling uh, this fine California Eve? Pretty good, you know. I've got my cat right next to me here, and she might make an she might make an appearance later, meowing her her ass off. But other than that, just relaxing and ready to do this. Fantastic. And last, certainly not least, we have uh, a gentleman making his GGTMC debut. He brought the thunder this year with the Kringle. Uh, he's he's 
has one of the finest mustaches in the land, it should be said. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> although he's an East Coast gentleman originally, he is now uh, doing it on the West Coast, and this is Tanner. Tanner, welcome to the GGTMC, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's truly a pleasure. Truly a pleasure. Oh, it's truly a pleasure. What, uh, Tanner, just to give everyone, actually, you know what, give everyone a little bit of uh, an idea as to, to who you are, what you do, or what uh, what's what sort of interest do you have? Because, I mean, some people in the group may know you uh, from interacting with us, but uh, give everyone a little idea um, you know, what you're all about. Um, sure, yeah, definitely. Uh, I grew up in uh, Flint, Michigan, and uh, just loved movies ever since I was uh, a little boy. <laughs> uh, let's see, I moved out here into California about... 10 years ago and I've been out here uh, living, trying to, trying to live the dream and trying to be an editor and edit films. So it's been going pretty well. Uh, I've done a few things that are pretty fun and then feature length and just trying to keep going and, and keep living that California dream, you know? It's very cool, man. It's always nice when we get people that um, have, have had that or been brave enough to, to kind of, to pursue that and, and to, to earn doing that. So it's good on you for that, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's it's I'm I'm living the dream, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Excellent. Um, for those that don't know, the way that our format's going to go is this: we are going to do our as we would do with our our year end uh, top thirty. We're going to do ten to one in roundtable form, and then we're going to do eleven to thirty. Uh, just that way, the films that are kind of the most um, loved, I guess, by us um, for this year will get sort of the most talk as we go. Now, uh, in terms of who wants to go first, does anyone want to go first? Do you want me, guys, do you want me to, to go first? What works for you guys? Doesn't matter to me, man. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we yeah, do this? Uh, go ahead. No, nothing. I was just going to you. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I'll do it. We'll go ahead and we do east to west. So we'll do just like we did with the intro. So I'll do me, Todd, Kelly, Tanner. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, excellent. Uh, so my number ten for the year was a film that uh, a good friend of mine, good friend of uh, most of ours, the great state of West Virginia, um, had actually sent me in the mail around Christmas uh, last year, and I'd always meant to see it, and I'd always meant to see some of her films, uh, and I finally got a chance to with this. In the dick, it's Catherine Brier's Fat Girl from 2001. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> quite the film. And she's quite the filmmaker, certainly. Um, I, I was really taken aback when I'd seen it. It uh, For those that have seen it, I think, I, I'm, I'm assuming a few of you guys have seen it. I, no, I, I always have. wanted to. You have seen it, yeah? Me, no. yeah, I have. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so the ending really just, I can never get that ending out of my head. <laughs> when you see that film, Tanner, it's the ending is just, the whole film, I mean, I, I feel like it really kind of, um, it's almost like the way uh, like Michael Haneke deals with like, it's sort of like emotional horror in a way. Just the way characters say things to each other, the way they do things, it's kind of really stark and really rough. Um, and it's basically about a girl who, I think the, the, the film, the title in French isn't the same. It's not Fat Girl. It's not a direct translation. But um, essentially, it's about a young girl who's overweight. She's 12, and she has an older sister who's 15, who's rather pretty, and the family's on vacation. And 
the, the teenage sister falls in love with, uh, well, quote unquote, falls in love with the Italian boy who's a little bit older and um, kind of some awkward coming of age stuff occurs. And uh, it's really, uh, it's a pretty shocking film. Like I said, especially that finale, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere and, and it's as well shot as any horror film I've seen. I mean, it's really, really unbelievable. And the way she plays with, uh, with, with our emotions and, and um, expectations of characters, it's, it's really something to behold. So, yeah, strong recommend for me. I haven't been able to get it out of my head. So that was cool. my... It's, it's rough, rough to say the least. Oh, my God, is it ever. And it, it, does, it does that thing where it, it defies sort of convention of, of what you're expecting characters to do, and it kind of challenges cinematic and even sort of this human convention of what you expect characters to do. It really defies that with, with the decision a character makes. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'll say no more. Um, I will kick it over to Todd. Todd, what do you got at number at the 10 spot? Uh, number 10 is a movie that was uh, brought to my attention by a good friend of the show and all-around awesome lady, Tanny. And it is uh, 1973's Spirit of the Beehive. Um, this movie I'm amazed I've never heard of before. Uh, and I'm amazed that more people don't talk about it because it is absolutely astounding. Uh, it's about this uh, small Spanish village in 1940, and um, they bring in this movie. They bring in the, the original uh, James Whale, uh, 1931 uh, Frankenstein, and the, these two young girls, these sisters, become obsessed with the movie and about why the uh, the creature threw the girl. Spoilers for Frankenstein. Uh, throws, throws the uh, little girl into the uh, into the lake, and then the whole the whole movie uh, becomes about these this this one the younger of the two girls actually uh, kind of investigating uh, you know basically death uh, and and trying to understand it and it's 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 absolutely it's beautiful to look at it's um, it's just it works so well on so many different levels and. One of the things that I really, really liked about it is that the children act, actually act like children. They're not just mini adults. You know what I mean? How there's that that like kind of thing that a lot of movies will do. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just saying some people that sometimes the kids are hard to write. Sometimes it feels like they'll make them overly precocious or far too. Uh, yeah, it, it's it can be a type. Yeah, yeah. And this this I this I really didn't think do, does that. Um, but it's just it it just on so many I've been thinking about this movie constantly ever since I've seen it. It's so good, and I'm I just I I'm absolutely amazed that uh, more people don't talk about it, or at least you know if they've seen it, I haven't heard about it. Yeah, so uh, definitely, 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 high recommend. So yeah, it's, kick well, it I'll over to uh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what you think, man. Definitely. definitely. I, was, I was trying to get into before the end of last year. I just that's all just, I got. Yeah, ran out of time, so. Kelly. Okay. Um, so my number 10 is a uh, movie that I saw early in the year and um, actually re- uh, requested its coverage on uh, The Midnight Ride <laughs> uh, earlier this year, and it was uh, 1977's uh, Alucarda. Nice. And, yeah, it's, it, it's just a... Uh, a crazy, screamy, very bloody horror film. Um, but but what's cool about it, you know, I, I'm not religious much, but you know, religious horror has always been a 
a big thing for me. I, it, it just gets me. I love it. And, you know, this, this deals with, uh, you know, Satanists and, and, and nuns and people that bleed. And uh, what's really cool about it is I, I'm, I'm more of a visual person than anything. And it's really got that, you know, Jodorowsky-esque uh, weirdness and, and feel to it. And um, it just really, it really hit me. I don't know. I, I had never heard of it until earlier this year. It came, uh, Mondo Macabreau. Uh, put out a, a release of it not not this year but i had never heard of it and it blew me away how crazy and fun it was Just it is yeah it's, it's insane. all out insanity <laughs> it's it's really oh, showy yeah, and, and, and yeah it's wild man and it and it looks phenomenal yeah oh yeah it's it's like i said i mean i i'm more visuals over anything like i'm, I'm more of a visual person when it comes to film and and a la carte just it 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 could. It's one of those movies where if it's on mute, I'm still gonna watch it just because it's it's insane to look at. No, for sure, man. I, that's a disc I want to buy, and I want to thank you um, for picking that because it's uh, it's an. I'll just sort of let the cat out of It's an honorable mention for me. I really dug it too, and I'd meant to see it for years. And my October turned out to be pretty fruitful because of really amazing picks like that, and that's uh, a very cool one, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it because I I love that movie. And the disc is jam packed, I believe. Correct. Yeah, it's got some uh, some good stuff on it too. I was surprised, and you know they they put out really interesting things. Like, yeah. that's just a release that I I had no idea about, and I saw it, and it was blew me away. Loved it. Very nice. Very nice. Tanner, number ten. All right. All right. Um, gotta warn you guys that uh. I have a lot of 2010, 2011. I don't know what I was doing, but I was I was pretty lazy those couple of years. So uh, I got a couple of 2010, 2011 titles on my top ten here. Um, That's totally cool, man. Yeah, my number ten was Animal Kingdom. Oh, nice! Uh, finally, Ooh, finally got yeah. to watch this. And just loved it. I just fell in love with it. Um, I put it off for so long, and then uh, finally watched it. And uh, man, it was just such a great, great uh, crime family crime drama. Um, Guy Pierce and Joel Edgerton. Um, I loved uh, what's his name, uh, Ben Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, the guy's name. Oh man, I love that guy, and he pops in, and he's got an amazing performance. Uh, I was just a really, really well told uh, character drama, man. I loved it. It's Australian, I think, too. It is Australian. Yeah. Australia's been doing a great film. It seems like they've been on a real tear after kind of their their seventies run. They've really been on a tear the past handful of years. I feel like. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, they man. Kinda... They've been put. They've been putting out great stuff. Yeah, yeah. They totally have like, um, man, I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Like Snowtown, I think came out the same year. Oh yeah, that movie is rough as hell. It's it's amazing, <laughs> but that's like that's not one kick in the dick. That's two kicks in the dick, man. It is <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I'm just getting queasy just feeling about it, thinking about it. But uh, very nice. Animal Kingdom for me was one that really. Uh, it, I, I hadn't really been aware of a lot of Australian films. Um, you know, there's there's the big ones. I'm I'm talking all the way back to you know, 60s, 70s, everything. And Animal Kingdom, when I saw it, kind of kicked me in the ass to start really watching a lot of Australian stuff. And they've quick become one of my favorite countries of of any decade of film. They 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 put out amazing stuff all the time. Yeah, they do, and, and it's interesting I, to see that perspective. Uh, it's just a little bit off kilter from an American one, but it's still a, like a Western voice, you know. 
Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings it back around here. Uh, my number nine was one of the last films I saw for the year. It's one. It, it's been at the top of my list to see forever, and I'm pretty sure all of you guys have seen it. Um, good friend Scott Clickers and good friend Emily and Travia had recently only seen it for the first time. Loaf had just seen it for the first time within the past year. I was really embarrassed that I'd never seen it, and it just kept eluding me every Christmas, every Christmas. Um, I had it on tape, <laughs> the disc didn't work, and I, I taped it on the PVR, and the time-shifting thing fucked it up. and you know, It just seems like I couldn't get my dirty hands on it to watch it. So finally with my wife, it was December 23rd. And I was like, listen, you know, we're, we got to watch this. I, I've been meaning to watch it. I got the blue. Let's watch this. And that is 1946's Frank Capra film, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Oh, yeah. You guys have all seen it, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sadly, I haven't. Oh, man. You got you to gotta see it. You really got to see it. You got another holdout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those, a lot of people... And I've heard this from a lot of people. It's it doesn't just play well at Christmas. Like it takes place at Christmas, but it really the way it deals with life. Um, it's one of those films that kind of old old time Hollywood does well. It's on the surface it seems a bit simple, but in its simplicity, mm-hmm. it's very profound in what it's saying. And uh, it, it's a, yeah. It, and for I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, and for as a, as uplifting as it is, it's actually pretty dark. It is absolutely it is, and uh, it's, it's uh, really, um, really just from a technical standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, it it has really de- earned its its place, I think, in 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 pop culture and uh, in American culture and and cinematic history. Um, does everyone? Sorry, I hear a lot of static. Uh, everyone still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we're good. Uh, But yeah, I really can't say enough about it, man. I cried at the end. Like, there's the whole richest man, and I think it's richest man in town. Is that what it is, Todd? The richest man in town? Yes. The richest man in town thing, you know, it gives me a lump in my throat even now as I'm thinking about it. And just the the kind of uh, the makeshift, um, the makeshift honeymoon uh, that he and his wife, Donna Reed, who's beautiful in the film, uh, that they they have. Lasso. Pardon me? The lasso of the moon. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's so well done, man. And it's uh and the blue looks great, I should say, uh, for everyone. It's it's really, really well worth everyone's money. And it, I know a lot of people have probably gonna be reluctant because it, they feel like it's just you know, it just gets talked about so much that they're kinda of burned out they don't even want to see it. And it's kinda of that, that almost like that backlash of oversaturation, but I think everyone really needs to see it. It's it's really a fantastic film, so that's my number nine. It's one of those things. It's like, it's like Todd said. You know, it 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 is, I guess, darker than you would think. Oh yeah. And um, and I I think you know a lot of people probably have it in their heads that oh it's, Schmaltzy. it's that Christmas movie. It's yeah. that Christmas movie, whatever. And it's it's more. It's a lot more than that. Big time. Yeah, I know it totally is. Man. Excellent. Oh yo. Todd. Mr. Todd. Yep. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, my number nine is um, from 1931. It is Mervyn Leroy's Little Caesar, which I finally got around to seeing. <clears throat> and this thing was really great. Um, one of these pre-code movies that has just enough 
kind of trash stuff in it. Uh, and just enough, you know, like undertones that they're not coming out and saying stuff that you're, you're getting kind of, it, it feels almost like a 1970s movie, but 40 years earlier. Um, it's really fast. It's, it's really engaging. Uh, there's some really, really nice camera work in it, which you don't normally expect from that, that time period. But when you see it, you kind of appreciate it all the more, especially when they would do stuff like out in non-studio, uh, like camera moves and tracking shots and that sort of thing. I like those for some reason because they feel just a little bit more jittery. They weren't as smooth as, as they became. So I, I kind of appreciate that kind of thing a little bit more. Um, Edward G. Robinson is absolutely phenomenal at actually creating a character. It's become, you know, that kind of touchstone, uh, make, uh, make fun of kind of gangster thing that everybody does with that whole meh, meh kind of thing. But, uh, he, he really, he really does, and he does do it. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. He does do that in the film. Uh, but it, it, it you know, well, it had to, it had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it works. He works so well. He, he creates a, uh, a full character, uh, you know, in this in this film, and you, you can't help but watch it, the, you know, from beginning to end, and, and love it. It's a great, great movie, and uh, I recommend, especially for people who who uh, haven't, uh, who don't really particularly think about that era as being all that great. I disagree, and I would recommend this one as one you should uh, catch up on. Yeah, it is a great era of film. And I think some people, they have this notion of film from that era being quaint, but there's some really mm. kind of edgy um, pre-code stuff. Like, that's really, you're kind of, when you watch, you're like, wow, I can't believe they were doing that, like, in this era of film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. No, it's amazing. It's amazing some of the stuff they used to get away with. Big time, man. Big time. No, that, that's yeah, I rewatched that, that this year. I rewatched that this year. It came out in that, uh, that Blu-ray Ultimate Gangster Pack, and... Um, it's yeah, it's a great, great film. Very cool. And is it on me now? Yeah, I'm on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this one is it's my uh, I think the newest film on my list um, from 2008, and it's uh, Revolutionary <laughs> Road. Nice. Oh, very nice, man. Story. I love this film. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones when it came out. I guess that's what. How many years ago is that now? Five years now. Yeah, can't believe it's been five um, years, man. And this is probably going to sound stupid, but <laughs> like when this movie came out, I was probably twenty-four ish, and I probably like I, I'm trying to think why I didn't see it, and I think it's just because it didn't appeal to me at the time. Yeah, and I just kind of passed it off as as a you know ah it's a heavy drama whatever blah blah blah, and. Um, finally you know came to it this year and 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 uh it it was brutally honest in its portrayal of uh of this couple and it's it's rough to watch uh people you know try to fake uh emotion and uh fake fake their their whole lives pretty much with each other and while i haven't been in a, a situation exactly like that you know as as intense as theirs was there's been times, I'm sure, in everyone's life where you've had to fake something and and to kind of force something. And one hours was was rough. Yeah, but well worth but well worth it. And it's a good looking blue. I got that blue too after I'd seen it. it was it was on oh, dude, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. gorgeous, man. Like Sam Sam Mendes, like his movies always look good, and and this one is just oh, I it was beautiful. Yeah, 
Yeah, but, but rough. Movie. Oh yeah, it's it's just rough. It, uh, though, like, oh sorry, Kelly, go for it. No, I was just gonna say, you know, just seeing people in that situation is is, it you know, it's like uh, what's the other one that came out a couple years ago, Blue Valentine? It's just like a a two hour sob fest, pretty much. Like you just feel like bad for these people in these situations. Oh no, you know, like I. Even though she was insane, in my opinion, she was fucking crazy, but it's just rough to watch people go through stuff like that, and it, it hit me pretty good. And it, it goes to show, though, really, that, I mean, you know, she was trying to fit square peg into round hole, and that, that it becomes that, that bitter kind of um, realization that, that the American dream isn't for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of Leo's best roles, to be honest. I, I always I like I always like him and I admire the choices he makes, but I don't feel like I always can get past the fact that it's Leo, but with that one I think he he sold it on me because he was like a young family man, right? And yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think it's one of those films that a lot of people kinda of slept on and I, I hope that people go back and check it because you know I mean it got a lot of acclaim in, in sort of circles, but I think some people kind of in our circles that, that tend to dig into kind of some far reaching stuff might have might have ignored it, and and it's a mistake to do so. Yeah, because it's it's a fucking wallop of a film, man. Yeah, yeah. This thing was on my list. I I put it on and kept taking it off and kept putting it on. I just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and it it blew my mind too, man. It was brutal. It was it was great. Um, the performances are amazing, and the cinematography is amazing. And I just kept, you know, it's basically it's an honorable mention. It didn't make the list, but I kept I kept battling with it. Um. And Michael Shannon, oh man, he's great in it. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I forgot about the Shan man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's it for me, right there. All right. Um, my number nine is a uh, is uh, another another movie with Joel Egerton. Uh, this one, honestly, I gotta say, this one made me cry. This is the movie that made me cry this year. Uh, was Warrior. I think I know where we're going. Oh yeah, man, yeah, I got a lump in my throat at the end, dude. <laughs> Big yeah. oh, dude. <laughs> the movie was amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Uh, amazing performances. Um, yeah, I, I, I cried, man. And then uh, as soon as I finished, I, uh, I ordered it and sent it to my dad. Oh. I was like, my dad has to see this movie. It's just, it was so good, and it just made me like reflect on life and reflect on my father and just uh, our relationship it was it was amazing yeah, fuck a lump, it was, it was a great film. fuck a lump in the throat i i had a fucking three lumps dude that thing was just <laughs> jesus tore me up man yeah <laughs> i think i think that's one that does and i don't want to generalize based on gender but i feel like it does hit guys more i mean the characters are men but men a lot of times tend to be more of action than words, and these guys are using a lot of action to convey a lot of things, physical to convey a lot of things, and it hits a lot of obvious beats, but it does them so well, and, and you know, at the end, it, it really, like, there's, oh, man, yeah, the end, it just, yeah, any any sort of familial male relationship you have, you can kind of relate to it, even if you don't have brothers, and kind of that push and pull and kind of the scar tissue between you and, and family members, and it does really work very well, and yeah, good stuff, man. And it's yeah, one man, of those movies. As, as, what was I saying? But I was gonna say it's one of those movies as well where um, the subject matter isn't like don't let it fool you because I, I a lot of people I remember when it came out didn't want to see it. You know, like oh, it's a UFC movie. MMA. I was like no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and 
I mean, I'm 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 proof that I'm I'm not a big UFC guy, and I mean, this movie it's not about that. I mean, it, yeah, it's there, but it's it's way way more than that, and rewarding if you you know give it a chance. Yeah, it was another one that I just kind of slept on and never watched. And, you know, once it hit instant play or something, I just I jumped on it. And I love Tom Hardy, obviously. You know, he's a great actor. But, uh, like, Nick Nolte and Joel Egerton in this are just, oh, man, the, this that whole duo is just amazing. That that scene with Nolte when he's broken down, man, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so I'll move on so the room doesn't start crying. We have a big cry fit on it. Uh, my, my, my number eight, I won't spend a whole lot of time on because we reviewed it on the show. Sammy picked it. I think it was actually the last Boulevard movie show we did. It um, was a film that was adapted from a novel by Gunther Grass and was directed and co-written by Volker Schlorndorf. And uh, it's a nice oh. 1979 film on the Palme d'Or, on the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. That is The Tin Drum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this film, man, this film's amazing. It's um, kind of reminds me of films like um, like Seven Beauties and a lot of these films that, that deal with, uh, that are very European and they deal with, sort of have the back of war and sort of the German situation and this is a German film and the way it looks mm-hmm. at things it looks at the young boy it 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 does that thing of, of almost and just like a film we did a few weeks ago um which is it on my list I think it's somewhere else down my list it's uh which is underground which I'll talk about then it's like this European kind of fairy tale for adults that has the impending war as kind of the backdrop and man it's it's a really fantastic film um and Mario Adorf's one of my favorite actors. I love him so much. And uh, yeah, if, if Maurice Charest does the score, it's a great score. And I mean, it, it was well deserving of the Palme d'Or. And, and I don't usually agree with the Academy too much. I think it's you know, a lot of nonsense with their decisions. But um, yeah, it's a really great film. And, and it, just the way it looks at life and, and through this little boy's eyes. And a lot of great performances. And it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I can't. I can't speak highly enough about that. About it enough. That's my number eight. Cool, cool. Uh, my number eight <clears throat> comes from 1955, and it is Akira Kurosawa's uh, "I Live in Fear." Oh, nice. Um, this is one of those ones where, in it, well, it's about this this guy who wants to basically move his family to Brazil. He wants to close down his his factory and move his family to Brazil. Uh, because he's afraid that they're going to die uh, in a nuclear holocaust at some point or another. And uh, his family doesn't want to do that, and they're trying to block him. And uh, so you have you have uh, Toshiro Mifune, you know, as this really curmudgeonly old guy, which is great because he wasn't really old at that point. Uh, but he does it so well, it's, you know, amazing to watch. Uh, and then you have uh, uh, Shimura. Um, I can't remember his first name off the top Takeshi. of my head. but Takeshi. Takeshi Shimura. Uh, as this, as the guy who's here in the case and all this stuff, and then you have his family, and they're they're pleading their side, and you can kind of understand it from all angles. Uh, the, you know, it, it becomes about this, these generation gaps and and the the paranoia that this this guy has, and in a lot of ways, uh, it came out a year after, but it it kind of touches on the same ideas in some ways as uh, as Gojira did in 1954. Um, but it, it's uh, it's just one of those movies where. It, 
in Kurosawa's filmography, it's one of those ones you don't really hear a lot about, or at least I didn't. Uh, sort of on the same level as uh, is stuff like um, uh, The Lower Depths or uh, Red Beard or you know that kind of thing. You you tend to hear more about the the Jidai Geki movies that he did. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, obviously, but uh, but this stuff is is great as well. Uh, it's really really great and also i i thought that it had a, a nice interesting parallel to the ending of um high and low for those of you who have seen high and low the the very ending of of uh, high and low and the ending of this kind of in an odd sort of way parallel each other i think uh it's it's so good i mean obviously technically it's absolutely astounding uh great performances it's it's touching it makes you think you know it, it's all around just a, an absolutely phenomenal movie. High, high recommend. If you haven't seen it and you're a fan of Kurosawa at all, get your ass in gear. See, I live in fear. Oh, I didn't mean to rhyme. Damn it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> is this, uh, this on Blue Todd or was it a DVD? Uh, this was a DVD, I believe Criterion, um, but uh, I did not get it on Blue, no. Fantastic. I got to see it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's all I got. Very cool. All right. Uh, my number eight. Uh, this one, uh, really not much needs to be said, but uh, for me, this was the year of uh, of Toe for me. Yeah. Um, because I, I really, at the beginning of the year, I just dug in. I, I hadn't seen, I think I'd only seen one film from the guy. And I said, you know what, I'm going to dig in. And I really dug in this year. And it, it, was, it was kind of fitting because the end of the year, it ended with Drug War, and I loved that. But uh, my movie, uh, number eight, is uh, 2005's Election. Oh, so good. Nice. Yeah. Um, and like I said, w- within the group and the show and everywhere, I mean, this movie's been talked to death, I'm sure. Um, but the, God, the, the guy's a goddamn master, and <laughs> um, yeah, Election is... <laughs> is election is just something to behold you know i'm everyone knows what it is i'm sure everyone's seen it at this point but it's just corruption and and violence and and family and and everything and it's just unbelievably great and everything about it it's it's well paced it's shot beautifully it's acted wonderfully it's just one of those films where everything just is is right in the world when you're watching it and it's it's great Fantastic. But I, it's one of those movies. It's one of those movies where I don't. What else can you say anymore? That's not been said since two thousand five. Yeah, it was tough for us to review them. I wanted to review them, but it's almost one of those things, like you just said, like what can you say that hasn't been said or typed or or written, you know? But yeah, yeah I mean, everyone everyone's loved it to death since it's come out, you know. So it's like all I can say is, again, I loved it too. Like, I mean. He really it's is a modern that. Melville, isn't he? Yeah, he, uh, man. And that, see, that's another guy that I really dug my heels into this year was Melville. And watching both of their movies. Cool parallel. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of both of their films this year, you could totally see the influence. And it's just great. I mean, two masters at their, at their, at their job. Yeah, whatever yeah, I'm watching, it, 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 it reminds me so much of Melville now. Like, every time I watch that Toe movie, you can see that inspiration. You can see that... Uh, it's just awesome. I love I love both those directors, and it's you can just see it, you know, you feel it. And it's cool to be like you know, like all of us and the people listen to the show, 
people that really love film, it's always cool to be able to connect those dots and see, oh, so that's where Toe's drawn from. You know, he's, he's drawn from this guy and that guy. And to be able to connect those dots and then go back and see those films, and it becomes very much this, this circular thing of, of seeing where people, what filter they use to... Um, it, it's execute. it's funny that you said that because like I'm I'm obviously I, I the year's already started and I haven't done this but uh, it was a at some point last year I was start I started to think I said you know what I'm gonna try to do for like a whole year I'm gonna I'm gonna watch things that are that like come to mind so if you were to watch a movie and you think oh that movie was influenced by this I'd go to that and then from that movie I was gonna do like a chain the whole year. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's a a, a daunting (laughs) undertaking, man. I think it'd be kind of cool though, because it would just lead you to some. It would lead you to some insane places, I think. Like because I'm not every like it wouldn't have to be connected exactly. It would just be like some maybe something that influenced this movie, and then the next movie, you might do a couple of the same director's films in a row, and then from there branch off and do oh well he worked with this guy, and then go from there and just have a big tree that is all connected. Yeah, that'd be but very cool to I, do. But yeah, I didn't do that because it's already uh, it's already been ruined. I've already done 31 movies and they have no connections at all. You know what the hard thing is though is the logistics of that because then you have to get those films or acquire those films and it becomes difficult. That's true. You know that becomes difficult. Yeah. But but if you can pull it off, I agree. When you can I start to see through lines in films and filmmakers, it enriches your um, your appreciation of cinema. Well, the- that yeah no that would be hard to do only because to, to my mind because of how many branches you would have coming off of almost every movie that you would watch you wouldn't know which one to go to next you know I do think it's a great yeah. idea though I, I see I think I would really be inclined to do it if I did like a blog or something but yeah. I don't so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's an idea it's never too late we're always looking for good men at the GGTMC that's true <laughs> there's anybody that can do it Scott <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, mine, mine is kind of the same, uh, same factor here. It's been talked to death, and uh, it's older, but it was released last year. It's, um, I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's probably obvious that it's even on this list is uh, Miami Connection. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what can you say? What can Look you out. do? You know, it's it's just so good, <laughs> and it's so up our alley. It's just. Uh, <laughs> I still haven't seen this. Still haven't seen this one. No, no. I own it, but I haven't seen it. (laughs) Oh man, pop that bad boy in after we're done here. Yeah, 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 you got to, man. You got to. (laughs) That that movie is so uh, so honest. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the thing I think that most of us take away from it is is how earnest it is and. and it really does. It, it just uh, was a YK Kim. He he did everything to get this film made and to put it together and, and tell an earnest story. That's what I mean. There's there's so much heart in it. Like it it's un it's. I don't see how you can't just watch it. And even if you don't like it, just at least see what they put into it and how much this like guy really wanted this movie to get made. And all of them, everyone involved, just seemed so happy to be there. Oh, big oh, time, man. man. I mean, I, just, yeah, there's some passion behind it, some some true passion yeah, for sure. I love that about it, and I mean, it's just I don't know, it's just all around just a great film, man. It's a great, great fun watch. 
to I think to, to review it in three words would probably be eternity, loyalty, honesty. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and when you see that, Todd, that'll be all the richer. Nice. Very cool. Tan, I could see you, you know, you'd look great in a sleeveless red Dragon Sound t-shirt, man. I know, man. Yeah. I know, you know how many times I've had it in my cart? Yeah. <laughs> in Alamo Draft House cart. <laughs> Kelly in the headband. Oh, I gotta pull the trigger. Yeah, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, I'm gonna, actually, it's funny you did, um, you'd said Miami Connection, because my number seven is a film that feels like the, the, the spiritual, I can feel the spiritual through line. It's a film uh, from a different country in a different time, but it feels like they're separated at birth. It's uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's La Ventura. There you go. Yeah, man, 1960. Um, what a film. Uh, another one that I'd meant to see forever and ever and ever. And I finally was like, you know what, just sit down and watch it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I like Antonioni. He leaves some people very cold. He can, yeah. He, he definitely can. Um, but I've li- I've seen maybe three or four of his films, and I've, I've loved all of them. I think they're, I think some people find his work a bit inaccessible. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, though. Um, when you're in very capable hands like his, it, it I think it, he just he makes you work for for what it is you're you're trying to interpret with his films. And um, for those that don't know this film, basically, I'm just going to synopsize it very quickly. It's a, it's, I'm going to read it just so I don't kind of stumble around and try to say the same thing here. A girl mysteriously disappears on a yachting trip while her lover and her best friend search for her across Italy. They begin an affair. Antonioni's penetrating study of the idol of her class offers stinging observations on spiritual isolation and the many meanings of love. Um, yeah, it does a really weird thing, a brave thing of um, the two characters kind of abandon the search for this missing woman. It, the film is not really even about that. Um, and it just kind of uses that as a backdrop. And uh, Monica Vitti, yeah. is, and she's as beautiful an actress as we've seen in cinema. Well, that's and that's and that's one of the things. I mean, certainly Antonioni is good at is you know doing that kind of you know oh it's it's about this, but it's not really about this. It's about that's that right. you know. That's right. And just getting you to think about it by giving you kind of the well, he's I guess you could call it kind of a, a master of the MacGuffin. Yeah. Hitchcock's MacGuffin, where it's you know. It's not the thing. It's the thing that you're not thinking about that he's talking about. Precisely. Like with blow up, with the the the, the photograph of the uh, the possible oh, uh, murder. Oh yeah, yeah, that. that's right, man. And that same thing. His work's very elliptical too. I find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, he's 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 good, man. Like I said, if for nothing else, I think you know, as film fans, to appreciate it for the and I, think, I don't even think it's out on blue yet. This needs a blue release. Um, it's a beautiful film. So, if nothing else, to see Monica Vitti in high def, it, oof. yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that's the my number seven. Cool. Uh, my number seven comes to us from 1944. It is Otto Preminger's Lara. Nice. Um, it is. Uh, it's a great little uh, noiry crime film. Um, it's a lot about. Uh, obsessions with the with beauty and the ugliness that that brings out in people. Um, it has a great great uh, turn by uh, Vincent Price as this really sleazy cad kind of guy. Um, it looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, obviously, uh, Gene Tierney, the the eponymous uh, Laura, is breathtaking to look at, and you could absolutely understand why everybody in the film is obsessed with her. Oh man. Um, 
Sorry to cut you off. It's so funny that you mentioned Tierney and uh, and Vincent Price because I'll be mentioning them in a different film. Uh, <laughs> cool. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no, that's all right. Uh, I also love there's this uh, this undercurrent of uh, of sexual tension going on throughout the whole film, and it's it's one of those things. And again, it's like the pre code, like the pre haze code stuff. Uh, it's that kind of thing where you really appreciate how mature these movies are not necessarily on the surface but about you know some of the stuff that's going on underneath it i i like that and uh and this was a really really good one and it had a it's a man it's a great great movie laura there you go thumbs up nice. that's all i got <laughs> all right what, what are we on here seven yeah i'm on uh seven is uh from 1970 by a man named Bernardo Bertolucci. Nice. <laughs> and it is uh it is the conformist. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um this movie it, it's first and foremost like for me it, it the the cinematography is just great. Oh yeah. It it's like for me that's that's its strongest thing in my like in my opinion, mm-hmm. but it, it's also just a deep character study um about this guy and and everything that goes into it you know everything from politics to 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 religion to sexual identity you know yeah relationship and and yeah you know homosexual repression and uh all kinds of stuff it it, it's packed dense with 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 things and i think it's it's the visuals express all of that so so stunningly and 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 beautifully um the the only thing that sucked for me was the the release that i watched um in my opinion this movie is beautiful and i watched it i bought the arrow blu-ray yeah which i also I was have. Just, yeah and and while it while it it does look good in spots it's it's so i it's one of those movies where i wish it was so much better looking but i think that's a result more of 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 the uh the elements it's not a fault of the blu-ray and i think it's also um, the 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 style it was shot and it's it's very it's a very soft focus film yeah yeah that's what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's deliberately you know shot that way so but i you know uh, it's it's so rich in everything not not just the the look and the visuals but i mean the the depths that it goes to to show you everything about this guy's life and and everything he's gone through throughout the film and life is 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 expressed so so beautifully in this film oh yeah there's a lot to unpack for sure oh yeah i mean it's one of those movies where it's it's i could have watched it for it's one of those movies where you, you could watch another two hours of it i was i was glued just enthralled with it i uh, i'm a big fan of uh stefania sandrelli who's in it yes I think she's in it, isn't she? She's the, uh, the uh, I think she's the wife of the teacher, is she? Or, or yes, she's know. Julia. Yeah. Yeah, man, she's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my number seven. It, it's 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 a stunning achievement that I don't even know how I, it got past me all these years. It's one of those films where it would have, I should have seen this years ago because it, it just right up my alley. Loved it. You can't see them all, man. <laughs> nope. Yeah. yeah. 
And fo- and it was photographed by Vittorio Storaro. Yes, for those who- one of the all-time greats. Yes, that's what I mean. I mean, it it, it, it just has this. It, it has, it's it's one of those things where it was just destined to be great. I think, and it it was. Totally. Cool. All right, we're on number seven. Um, all right, uh, my number seven was um, it's this movie from two thousand and seven called Blackbird. I don't know if anybody's seen that. Has anybody seen that? It's Adam no. Rapp. No. No, nope. I have not. Okay. Um, stumbled upon this one night. Um, I was just trying to find something to watch, and I was trying to like uh, trying to complete the Michael Shannon filmography. You know everything that he's been in, and he's he's got a small role in this, but um, it's basically about this um this guy named uh, I forget his name, but it's it's Paul Sparks is the actor, and he's um he's a Gulf War veteran, and uh, he gets involved with this um stripper, and they're both basically like junkies and um it's just like this really really gut-wrenching love story between these two junkies and like in um in new york and you know he be, he ends up becoming uh, friends with with michael shannon's character and uh it's just it's a really gritty really really tough movie to watch but it was just such a such a good film um i mean i Anything about drugs usually turns me off. Anything about like heroin junkies and stuff like that usually turns me off. But this thing, uh, it shocked me. It was just so, it was so honest and true and, and brutal. Um, really, really good, really good, sad, sad drama. Oh man, those are hard to watch when they're well done because it's like you're just hoping they'll make one right decision to kind of get them out of the gutter, and Dude. it just goes further and further. You're like, oh fuck. Yeah, and this thing's just a spiral. I mean, and it's and it's you know they have so many problems separate, and they when they get together, you know they feel like you know they're gonna solve each other's problems by just being together and being in love, and it just gets so out of hand and goes so downhill. And it, yeah, you just want them to succeed and, and you know and, and and be happy, you know. And uh, I, I remember I stumbled on it like one night super late at night, and and it was just alone, and I was like watching it alone and just like dying, you know. It was so good though. Um, I think the the director has only done one other movie. I think it was um, A Winter Passing from like 2005, 2004, 2005. Did you guys see that? Or? No. Nope. No. 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 Oh man, that's a, that's a really good movie too. Um, it's Wait, uh, which one? I missed it. A Winter Passing with um, Zui uh, Zui this channel and. Uh, oh yeah! 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 Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a weird indie. Like she's a writer and she goes to like Michigan to like like write a book or something, and uh, she stays with like uh, her grandpa or dad or something. I, don't, I forget. It's been a while, but uh, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, director does some pretty uh, pretty gut wrenching stuff. Lately. Very nice, very nice. Um, so I guess that uh, was that it, Tanner. I didn't I hope I didn't steamroll you there. Oh no, you steamroll me. I don't. I don't care. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I was a bit facetious the last time I said there was a through line between our films, but uh, there is legitimately this time because my number six is a film that we covered on the show that it just rips your heart out and your guts and it's so difficult to watch, but it's so brilliantly done and it features one of the best performances um, from a lead actor, I think, in the past 20 years or so. And it's a shame that this guy never went on to bigger things because in the 90s he seemed like he was really going to be the thing. Um and it's Peter Green, and the film is Clean Shaven. Oh. Man, this film, it's so good. 
It's so good. It's um, it's for, we reviewed it with our, our dear friend uh, Tim Ghetto Tim, and um, man, it's about a, a schizophrenic, and he's trying to get his daughter back after he's released from an institution. And uh, what a film! The film just drains everything out of you. It uses every I don't want to say trick because it seems like he um, like Kerrigan is doing something, but it uses every everything in its arsenal to convey. Uh, schizophrenia and the way it uses uh, editing and sound and and imagery and it com- combines it all together you feel so worn out when you're watching it and it almost feels like and I, I was that was really cool I think Tim also mentioned this when we recovered it but you get the sense of like an almost an anti Terrence Malick in that there seems to be this sense of foreboding and dread and anxiety with nature versus kind of this reverence of the beauty of nature that you see with his film so much um, yeah, I, I can't recommend this one enough, man. And I'm, I'm so glad that Tim turned us on to it. And hopefully more people will. It's, it's really, really an exceptional film. Yeah, don't, don't watch what? it on a rainy day. Cause you're just going to be, <laughs> yeah, you're just going to be down and down and down. It'll, it'll be a three lump in the throat kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I came up with the three lumps, but they're there. It's fitting. You guys are right, film, three lump film, man. That'll be like its own rating system, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there you go. To see, like it, it, yeah, it'll be like a guy's head biting his lip, with like straining not to let those tears out, man. And then three lumps is. Yeah, yeah it was a good idea for a show. Every show is just a downer. Yeah. <laughs> Totter. Awesome. All righty, uh, my number six is. One of the few that came out uh, in this century that I have on my list. It's from 2004. Uh, the original title is, yeah, I'm going to murder this. It's Cha No Aji, uh, Katsuhito Ishii's The Taste of Tea. Oh, is yes. the film. And this thing, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sprawling. Uh, but it, it's totally captivating and it's very, very, it's very touching. It's very, it's very uplifting uh, a film. It, it's a, a celebration of life. Uh, there's some absolutely hysterical moments uh, in it. Um, it kind of, it kind of reminded me, well, I got kind of thought of it as uh, life is shot through uh, like the imaginations of, uh, of adolescence. Uh, it's about you know love and and life and you know the people in your life and celebrating life and uh, it, it's just got some great astounding visuals. It's got little flights of fancy that you know you wouldn't uh, necessarily associate with with a, a film about the kids growing up. But um, like I said, it's it's through the imaginations of these uh, these adolescents and uh, it's uh, you, can, you it's it's not the kind of movie you could really describe. Yeah, uh, it's it about you know the small family, and it's kind of it just kind of goes from there. They're all kind of eccentric, in their own little ways, and and all about how they're they're trying to to deal with life. Um, but it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely a phenomenal movie. Uh, if you want to feel good for the runtime of a movie, I think I think this one is just under two hours, just over two hours. I think it might be just. Uh, over. I could be wrong though. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> if you want to feel good for the runtime of a movie. Sit your uh, sit yourself down and watch uh, the taste of tea. It's absolutely great. If who, you're feeling who bad, who directs this one? Uh, this who is Katsuhito. 
Katsuhiro Ishii. Yeah. I, I I haven't seen that one, man. That sounds good. It's cool, man. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's really good. Nice. High, high recommend. Cool. <laughs> Kick it over to you, Cal. All right. Number six. Uh, I think I, this one was a... Uh, a, a Criterion uh, blind buy, uh, but I had heard good things, and it is from uh, 1967, and is Marqueta Lazarova. Oh man, it's yes. <laughs> and I can't. I, I'm going to be honest. I I don't know everything that happened in this film. Uh, I, you know, plot wise, um, <laughs> I do. You know, it it deals with uh, you know uh, Christianity and 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 paganism. And uh, you know it's 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 set in medieval times, but it, the cinematography is is first and foremost in this movie, in my opinion. It is unbelievably shot, gorgeous. I mean, th- there's a scene with with well, there's multiple scenes with wolves that is oh, man. just stunning. Like I was the way the wolves are are are, are working, or the cameras working with them. It, it actually it it kind of creeped me out. Like I felt like they were, could, could come through the screen at me. Yeah. They were so menacing, and and it's 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 stark black and white. I mean, it, it's it's beautifully shot. And like I said, like I don't exactly understand everything that happened in the film, but it, it doesn't matter with this movie, in my opinion. It, it's just so good to look at. It, it, if you want to see just some beautiful ahead of its time, I think cinematography. You pop this bad boy in, and you'll be set. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with that. It's uh, I, I, everything you said. I, I would agree with a hundred percent. It was real one that I really knew nothing about, and I bought it. I kept hearing people go, Marquette Lazarova, Marquette Lazarova, Marquette Lazarova. And what is Marquette Lazarova? So I bought it <laughs> one of the one of the uh, Criterion sales, and I had the same reaction you did. Man, it's just so ahead of its time, and. It does so many things so well, and I'll just uh, I'll uh, I'll come out and say it. It's my number four film. Um, so when we when we get to it, I'll just uh, I'll just I'm just say what I have to say now. But yeah, I'm like you, man. I didn't quite understand everything, but there's there's imagery in that film that um, I'll never forget. And I think it it when I think of like the most beautifully and most stunningly beautiful shot films I've ever seen in my life, this is at the top of the list. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah, and good on Criterion again for for you know pulling this one out. I think Eureka had put it out um, over in Europe. I want to say they did, but it's uh, Toddy, you back, buddy? Yep. Okay, yep. good. We were just talking about Marquette Lazarova, so okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, dynamite. So sorry, I'll uh, we can kick it over to Tanner unless you had more to say, Kelly. No, I, that's that's it. Just cinematography. Cinematography, cinematography. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, my number six is kind of a, a shame, a list of shame movie. Um, I've been meaning to see it forever. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. She's been trying to get me to see it forever. Um, and it's uh, 1932 Freaks. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was I was kind of blown away by this thing, man. I didn't know where to put on the list. It kept going higher and a little bit lower, but uh, number six is a good spot. It it blew me away. It's just so weird and and so cool and and 
there's not much to describe it and i don't know why you know i've never seen it until now but it, it was awesome it's a great great watch it is a great film and it, and it's and it sucks that it, it it's kind of known as as the career killer yeah um, yeah so many great Which films like, have a bad reputation for killing the director. Sorry to cut you off. Like, look at um, Michael Powell with Peeping Tom. Like, it's a shame that oh, these yeah. amazing masterpieces ironically killed these brilliant directors' careers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's it blows my mind. And Freaks is one of those where I mean, I can understand where the criticism comes from, but to to and I guess you know it's it's of its time. You know, but back then it was probably a little bit more. Uh, you yeah, know. G. Yeah, this wow, but it's such a great film, and and for to to end a career, basically, it's it sucks to see that. Well, I could yeah. I could sit and talk about freaks. I could sit and talk about freaks for hours. It is a movie that I come back to. <clears throat> it's a movie that I come back to constantly for so many reasons. Uh, you know, for for how transgressive it is, for how scary it is, for how for how uh, romantic it is and that that last yeah. scene that very last scene with the with the two uh the two little folks I mean, it's just absolutely heartbreaking um oh. you know for, for for a movie that's so weird and so violent and so kind of sleazy to be that you know kind of to tug at the the heartstrings that well at the end it's just it amazes me it's such a great 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 movie Absolutely, everybody should sit down and uh, and watch Freaks. Everybody, whether you like horror movies or not, yeah. you should see Freaks. Yeah, yeah, plus, definitely. Plus the, plus the Ramones. So, Gubagaba, Gubagaba, Gubagaba. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so my number five is uh, a film that, I, like Tanner just said, he was kind of embarrassed to have never seen. This was one for me. I was like, man, how have I not seen this? Uh, the term has already been thrown around, but it's fun to say Jedi Geki, uh, which is a samurai film, and it's um, directed by Kihachi Okamoto, and stars one of the the bodest man to ever pick up the sword, Tetsuya Nakadai, and it's the Sword of Doom. Very nice. Yeah, what a film, man! This film's just oh, it's so badass. It's so amazing, and it's. Uh, it does that thing where, I mean, 1966, the film's about 50 years old, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, approximately, and it deals with the, the notion of an anti-hero, and an insane one at that, a sociopath, and uh, it's just, it's an exceptional film, and the finale in this film is unbelievable. And it just there's a lot of bloodletting, man. <laughs> there's a whole lot of bloodletting, and uh, yeah, it's Close. a really, really great film. And I can't wait to pick it up. Um, I'm pretty sure the blue. I don't even know if I have I don't think there is a blue on that, is there? No, maybe you're right. I think it just it's the thick Criterion DVD. But that's what that's what it was. I didn't buy it because I was waiting. Because that's the thing now, right? Mm. I play the waiting game because it's like, watch the second I buy the DVD, the announcement will yep. come. The Blu-rays. That's why I waited on Thief for so long. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's the way it goes. But yeah, sort of do, man. That's uh, it's it's well worth everyone's time. I think Tyler, a lot of our community are huge fans, and rightfully so. No, yeah, it's it's a standout in the uh, in the genre. Absolutely, hundred percent. 
And Nakadai, I mean, he's he is who he is, man. Yeah, Stone Cold. He's that guy. He's got the he's got those crazy ass eyes, and they work so well. Intense, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's you. Is that all you got? Yeah, man. Okay. Uh, my number five comes from 1970. Uh, this is the movie that you will watch uh, if you want to see uh, Frank Wolf uh, bang Silvana Venturelli. Uh, this is Radley Metzger's The Licorice Quartet. Nice. Uh, and this this really, really, really surprised me. Um, you know, you guys did that uh, that softcore movie uh, this past week. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, this doesn't this isn't quite like that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's along that line because it's kind of, you know, I guess you could call it erotica. It's not it's not a hardcore movie, but there's a lot of, you know, explicit sex and pubes and all that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it's so good because it's so good because it, it's so much more than just being about people having sex. It's, you know, uh, it, it's very it, it's what this is, is it's really a, like a meta movie. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, about like storytelling and, you know, just kind of doing different things with the, with the form. Um, a lot of really artful elements. It's about this, this small family. It's Frank Wolf, his wife and his son, and they're watching a stag film, which in and of itself is just bizarre because who would watch a, a stag film with their kid? Um, and then they decide, they decide to go to this, this carnival where there's a, a lady riding a motorcycle in a cage uh, kind of like uh, in uh, Ryan Gosling and Place Beyond the Pines, exactly. Uh, who turns out to be Silvana Venturelli, and she looks a lot like the woman in the stag film. So they bring her back to their place uh, because they want to find out if it's actually her, and kind of quiz her, and uh, it, it just turns into this whole thing where they they bring her in, and then she kind of is turning things on them. So she kind of like you know plays each of them, uh, you know, for what they are, and. It, it, it's incredible. It's incredible to look at. It's really, really great looking, which you wouldn't. It, it's not something that you would expect from the genre. But this is this was also at a time when you know you could do those sort of things where you could tell a story, where you could you know take chances with uh, with filmmaking techniques and still have you know uh, you know sex in there to to keep uh, certain other out, certain other audience members uh, happy. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, really great. Um, editing that he does uh where he'll jump around and it, it makes it feel it makes the the movie that you're watching feel kind of like uh the stag film that the family was watching because it has that same kind of jumpy editing to it where you know you go from one thing to you know naked chicks playing volleyball or whatever um but it it, it just it, you know it gives you a lot to think about uh, it doesn't necessarily pay them all off but it, it in a way it does uh, and uh, it just is really, really good if you can get your hands on uh, the Licorice Quartet. Absolutely high recommend. Will we get our hands on our own Licorice while we're watching it? Is the sixty-four thousand dollars question? You, you might be, you might be tempted to. You might be tempted to, especially when you see Frank Wolf's ass. Nice, <laughs> dad ass. Dad ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I, I mean? got. Yes, sir. All right. Uh... We're on number five, right? Ja. Uh, yeah. Five. Okay. Uh, my number five to to pull back the uh, the old curtain a little bit is uh, yeah, a little meat curtain action. (laughs) Pastrami flats. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) that's terrible. Um, 
is a it's a little bit of a cheat. Uh, I saw it a couple days into 2014. I'll say honestly, but uh, I got the okay to put it on here, <laughs> and it is a uh, from uh, from the Midnight Ride recently. <laughs> <laughs> the visitor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I just cut in and say yeah. this is my five as well? Wicked. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and and it, it's fitting because me, me and Tanner uh, watched this together. The, uh, and um, it is insane. I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad you guys. You heard. It. Oh, my God. It's And the thing, like, oh, my God. Like, like you guys talked about on the show. You know the, the the bird attack is great, oh, it's so and good. <laughs> but the thing me like when me and Tana were watching it, like the thing that really like struck us was the dude they hit with the motorcycle. Like he he's bomb. dead. Like yeah, yeah. dude, that guy's de- <laughs> that that guy's dead. Like <laughs> he's been dead since 1979. Like yeah. <laughs> it, it's insane. Like but yeah, everything that movie is just it doesn't. I don't know how, like, it's just one of those movies, like, I don't know how anyone okayed this thing. Like, it's just one of those, like, what? Oh, I know. It's... But, but, it, but it's beautiful, too. It, it's so, it's shot so well. There's so many awesome scenes and almost Kubrickian in their, like, symmetry. And, and yeah. it, it's insane to, to, to see how gorgeous this film is made and with, with such, like, technical skill. And then it's just, insanity personified like oh, yeah. yeah no it's it, well i think it's it's very much you know that kind of everybody latching on to the the whole new age mysticism kind of thing with chariots of the gods and all that sort of stuff i think that's where that's why it's so bizarre because you know it's italians and what it, it's italian and what do italians love to do is like rip stuff off and throw every ounce of shit at the wall they can <laughs> to see what sticks. And, you know, that's what this movie is to me. It's kind of like they're, they're shot of that, like a new age mystical kind of movie. And it works. It works a lot. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just fucking out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> so out there. And, but it does, it does look good for a lot of the, a lot of the, the more, uh, the more odd scenes look really, really good. I mean, the bird attack is a different story, but, You'll have that. Um, oh, Glenn. <laughs> hey, and, and poor can Glenn. I, can I just say that babysitter? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! Dude. <laughs> From another time, another place. <laughs> I, dude, I love how the parents they leave the kid there. They're in the car driving, and then it's like, do you think he's gonna rape her? Like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like shouldn't oh, you have considered that before you fucking left yeah. like before you were on the highway <laughs> already what's that uh, I think they just wanted the, I think they just wanted the kid dead at that point so yeah for real well, yeah a few things that happened that would have justified that like I mean yeah. the, the execution yes. I mean yeah the birthday gift and the whole mess of <laughs> what is it the, the dude the whole... birthday birthday party he's just like behind the the leaf from the plant <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> blending into the what is it the, the flora and fauna laying back oh, in the cut he's the, he's the green man yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah i don't really have much to add to that but uh yeah it's just a awkward weird a beautiful gorgeous film uh 
I loved it. I'm so happy that I got to watch it with Kelly because we were just both blown away together. Like, just what's going on? And, and like, from the beginning, like, it just cuts to the basketball scene. And it's, like, the longest minute and a half basketball scene. And you're just like, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> so weird. It's yeah. so weird. And then the motorcycle scene and, like, just all the birds. And uh, yeah. I, I got a lot of uh, Jordo crosses, like, Brian De Palma. And it, yeah, I didn't even think of Kubrick, but uh, I definitely got a lot of like Jordo and, and De Palma, and, totally, yeah. which are two of my favorites. So it's it was just, it was awesome. I can't wait to watch it again. It's it's sort of the equivalent to meeting this beautiful foreign girl who's breathtaking and she's like an intellect, but she chews her own toenails and farts in inappropriate places. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so yes. amazing, man. It, and I lo- I listened to my review. That, I was like, man, I didn't even you take her to meet mom. Take her to meet mom. Yeah. yeah. And it's that thing. Like, I just feel like I can never do that film justice by talking about it. Like, you have to see, you have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. You really do. Nice. It's I'll Sam Peckinpah, man. He just pops in. Yeah, well, he's doing, he's yeah. doing right by the inner city, right? I mean, he's, he's taking care of everyone <laughs> in the inner city, man. He's a doctor with a heart of gold. Overworked and underpaid. I, I'm surprised he wasn't wearing a headband. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. Skills the Nagahide headband. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I'll be in, I'll be interested to see what what the Blu-ray has as far as extras and stuff go. Yeah. When does that When does that March drop? March fourth. March fourth. Yeah. Look at that Sweet. dropping dates. Yeah, man. So there you go. Public <laughs> message. That's your PSA for today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Tanner. Nothing else to add, Tanner. Oh no, that's that's it. Yeah, it's, I mean, definitely top five. Very cool. Uh, my number four, we already talked about. I'll say it again because it's fun to say. Marquetta Lazarova. Yeah. <laughs> to get out and buy that blue. So um, yeah, and the wolves are amazing. Just to, to echo that again. So we'll move along to Todd's number four. My number four, I hemmed and hawed about putting this on here, uh, only because it's one of those movies where. Uh, I'd read so much about it and seen chunks of here and there and everywhere that I'd kind of sort of seen the whole thing at one point or another, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Uh, But I wound up putting it on there anyway because it's just so phenomenal. And it's 1955's uh, film directed by one-time, one-and-done director, uh, Charles Lawton. It it is Night of the Hunter. Nice. Uh, It is so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, I love. I love the. It's got that. It's kind of what I call Americana Gothic noir uh, lighting and composition. And uh, you know, Mitchum is is great because he could do this this thing where, on the one hand, he's really really menacing, and then like ten seconds later, he's this massively petulant kind of child screaming and hollering, uh, and you know, getting basically like. Uh, Instead of controlling these kids, he's like trying to to one up them uh, at certain points. And uh, there's the um, a lot of a lot of uh, it's, it's a pretty brutal movie too in some ways. But uh, the thing that really stands out for me the most uh, is kind of an odd moment. It's the scene where uh, he's sitting outside the house where all the uh, the orphans are, and Lillian Gish is inside with the shotgun. And he's singing the song, and then she start, she joins in in kind of like this oddball duet, uh, and it just it, it for me that was like the 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 capper. That was the thing that that made me say this is, you know, top 
top movie uh, and deserves to be on the list. Oh, absolutely. great movie! So over, so good. over the years, yeah. over the this is one like I'd say over the last five or six years, it's just creeped closer and closer to my to my all time top ten. It, it's not in there quite yet, but it's it's fucking knocking on the door. It's so good. <laughs> What's amazing is that Tanner Kelly and Todd all had Shelley Winter films in their top five. Right, uh, <laughs> and, and not by accident either. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no, this I I absolutely love this thing. I love Charles Lawton as a as an actor. Yeah, he's uh, so, great, man. Uh, to see that to see that he could be a, uh, a a solid solid director as well is kind of heartbreaking that he never did anything else. But my understanding is that you know this took so much out of him that. He just didn't want to do it again uh, because of you know everything that uh, that it takes to to do. So, but yeah, no. For anybody who hasn't seen it, for anybody who's been on the fence, uh, Night of the Hunter, thumbs up, baby. How was it a, cr- a critical and like a, a, a box office failure? Like when it came out, like it's just so baffling to me that the how you know I guess the films are ahead of their time. I don't know, but it's uh, it's insane because it's yeah. it's a masterwork by any measure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, that's that's oh. that's one of those things that that bugs you, but yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cal. Kelly. Kelly. Oh, I, no. Keep going. No, no. I'm I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> oh no, no, really? Is, uh, <laughs> uh, number four is from uh, 1950, and it's uh. It's a gritty, you know, for for its time, it's it's very, I'd say, uh, no nonsense, tough, gritty film, and that is uh, the Asphalt Jungle. Nice. Cool. Yeah, uh, this was a year where I really wanted to to. I hadn't, I had seen a lot of you know crime movies from from the fifties and sixties and even the forties, and I, but I, I hadn't seen a, a lot, and I really wanted to dig in this year, and I got a lot done this year, and uh, the Asphalt Jungle. It, there's no reason there's there's a reason it's it's where it's at like you know as far as acclaim and stuff and it's a lot of people call it you know one of the best heist films of all time and and i i would agree with that it's it's it is gritty and rough and you know for for being 1950 i think it's 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 a great ahead of its time kind of uh uh, i'm trying to think of the word but it's it's I can't think of how I want to explain it, but it's it's just easy to watch because this this heist goes so everything's going so good, and then by everyone's own accord, just by greed and and sexual frustration and everything, they just all screw themselves. And it's like that thing where once something gets bad, it just goes worse and worse, and they, you can't dig yourself out. And um, by the end, they just do the they all do themselves in, and and it's it's. Uh, a great watch and easy to watch like i you know it, it's rough material but it's easy to watch i guess you could say yeah no exactly um but yeah lots of betrayal and and uh a beautiful marilyn monroe jesus christ wow she was just it's it seems obvious to say but she is breathtaking man i think we forget well it's one of those things where i i don't think i even knew she was in it i, I don't know how like i just I popped in the DVD and and I I just I don't know I just didn't know she was there and then 
I'm watching it and I see this girl. I was like, that kind of looks like Marilyn Monroe, but not. She looks more beautiful than she looked more beautiful than than herself. It was weird. Like, I, it was Marilyn Monroe, but it was even a, a more beautiful version of her. Well, that's because she it was, was living, gorgeous. Eating, right? Yeah, it was. It was just. I. She's stunning. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. And, and like you said, it's kind of dumb that it's Marilyn Monroe, obviously. But wow, like I was it, just all around fun. Not fun, but uh, great film. Fantastic. Cool. I got for that cool. one. All right, my number four is uh from Indonesia, super uh, super stabby movie from uh, Gareth Evans. <laughs> it's the Raid Redemption. Nice. A little late on this yeah. one, and uh, mind was blown. It's just so good, so good. There's not much more I can say about it. It's just amazing. The great thing is the turnaround for you now for the sequel isn't that far away. I'm so pumped. Yeah, so pumped. <laughs> and those trailers are just. Oh, man, I can't wait. Have you seen? Uh, it's you know, it's it's obviously not as in, insane as that, but you've seen M- Marantu. Marantau. <laughs> no. Yeah, or Marantau. It's on. It's on instant. Man. Yeah, that's that's the movie he did before the raid. Yeah, it's really good. And, not as good. Oh, but yeah, it's good. That's another. I'm on know, it. If, if you, yeah, if, if you just get into the raid, watch watch that. It's. It's uh, it's really good as well. Awesome, awesome hey, uh, fight scene action. I just unplugged my headphones. Uh, so sorry if I cut him off there. Tanner, have you seen a lot of Hong Kong stuff from the eighties? Uh, not not as much as I probably need to. I'll, I'll tell you, I should if hit me up like if you want to watch some really insane action stuff from Hong Kong, man. Because if you like the red, oh yeah, yeah, man, stuff. I'll hit you up. Yeah, yep. I uh, I love this thing, and I mean uh. What was the one you were just talking about a couple of weeks ago? Uh, Hong Kong Godfather. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. I need to get need to get more into this stuff, man. Great stuff. It's, it's fun to be sure. Fantastic. I so, just watched In the Line of Duty 4, and that was so good. I saw you were going through some of the Rothrock stuff. And I think, did you, yeah, do, yeah, um, man. did you do Yes, Madam yet? Which one? Yes, Madam. With Michelle Yeoh and Sister I've seen it. I, I haven't. I didn't do it recently, but I've seen the film. There's an HD. There and was anyway. There, there's an HD transfer of it on Instant. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it in years, but it's a good I mean, one. That's, man. that's. Oh yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. Hong eighties Hong Kong action is just in of itself just insane. Nothing, nothing can touch it. Like I'm sorry. Like listen, I love Commando and Cobra and all that stuff. I love them. They're amazing and they are Pantheon, but. You know, I mean, Hong Kong is in its own league, man. With the shit they did, like as far as stunts and and action sequences, nothing can touch it. Yeah. I'm actually gonna check right now while we're on the phone to see if Yes, Madam is still. Fuck, I think got taken off instant. I'm looking right now. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Bummer. Yeah, I'm getting say yes to the dress episodes. Oh, I don't want that. (laughs) Unfortunate, but but you should track it down. It's it's uh, it's it's wild. Um, is it me? Yes. Yeah, you. Um, okay, so my number three is one, again, I felt like I was so embarrassed that I'd never seen this film. Um, I really wanted to see it this year again. Kind of kept eluding me, and, and it's a director that, this is going to sound silly to say, you know, much like Kelly was just saying, he feels silly saying about Marilyn Monroe. Obviously, she's beautiful. Obviously, this director is a great director. 
But I don't think I ever stepped back and looked at how versatile he is as a director, and it gave me a newfound appreciation when I watched this. And it's 1982's Martin Scorsese film, The King of Comedy. Yeah. Okay. It's so, so, so good. Um, it It's one of those films that, God, you feel so awkward like for the characters watching it. It's, um, oh. it's a... Oh. It's a film that's like ahead of its time. I mean, Rupert Pupkin, it should be said, much like our good friend Brian, who goes by the, the nom de plume, Rupert Pupkin. Um, man, De Niro, this is, this is to me like, you know, De Niro, when De Niro was king, you know, he could just do anything. And it shows that um, Scorsese could do comedy and he could oh yeah, do comedy in a way that was black comedy, but it was very insightful and it was very ahead of its time to kind of foretell this celebrity obsession and the age that we're in now. Um, Jerry Lewis, it's great to see Jerry Lewis in a serious role. Uh, having done a bit of a Jerry Lewis retrospective um, last year, I think, or the year before, I lamented that he hadn't done more serious stuff and, and after having seen this. Um, yeah, this blue, I think, is coming out this year. I'm going to buy it. This is the only reason I haven't bought it yet. Uh, my girl, Sandra Bernhardt, looking foxy, putting in a great performance. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I love this film. I, I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen it, please get on it and see it. It's so good. I know that it's it's one of those ones that's yeah, it's escaped me as well forever. Oh man, and, I can't uh, wait to get your thoughts on it. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm putting it in the queue right now. Excellent. Getting that done. Excellent. So. And it's actually it's it's chilling in spots too, at how kind of delusional Rupert Pupkin is. Well, so that's one of the things that Scorsese's really good at. He's really good at, at starting off, you know, making you laugh and then coming back around and, like, gut-punching you. Yeah. This, you know, this sudden little act of violence that uh, that just takes you right, you know, it just reminds you that, you know, yeah, you're laughing, but guess what? There's actually some different shit going on here. Yeah, you don't know whether to laugh or shit your pants in this film. And <laughs> Scorsese is... I just heard a great interview with Leonardo DiCaprio on Elvis Mitchell's The Treatment, KCRW's The Treatment. Um, just completely as an aside, there's a great interview with, um, what's his name, Scott Cooper, the director of Out of the Furnace 2 on there that I really highly recommend. But I heard him, I heard um, Leo talking about working with Scorsese on Wolf of Wall Street, and something that I think he was talking about that I completely agree with is how Scorsese is very brave in that he doesn't always give us likable or endearing lead characters. And in this, like you, f you feel sympathetic for Pupkin, but he's certainly not a hero by any measure. It's He's this sort of delusional guy who's a bit of a, well, he's a very much a social outcast and in his own world, so. Yeah. No, but he knows, how, he knows how to make that engaging. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people can, some people take a character like that and it's just somebody that you want to punch the teeth out of their Cannot, head. You don't want to watch them on screen. Exactly, and Scorsese has that ability. He has the the ability to to make you want to follow people who are you know pretty friggin' unsavory a lot of times. <laughs> totally, that's a skill. Sure is, and it's you. That's that's Wolf of Wall Street personified. Nice, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch my... of shit bags. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, number, my number three. Uh, is a silent film directed by Eddie Klein. Uh, it is The Three Ages, starring Mr. Buster Keaton. Uh, oh, yeah, this uh, is a cool one, man. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the three ages. I mean, from what I from my understanding of it, is that he actually shot it this way in the three ages. The three ages are are uh, like Stone Age, uh, the Roman Empire, and and quote unquote yeah. modern times. Would have been modern back then. Um, but I, my understanding is the reason that he did it that way was so that if the movie failed, he could just split it up yeah. into three shorts, so he could put it out that way and actually, you know, um, have them be a little more successful. Uh, but it, it, it's really great only because I mean it's Buster Keaton, and if you haven't seen Buster Keaton, you need to see Buster Keaton. Totally. Uh, the yeah. guy, the guy is, you know, the guy is considered a genius and considered one of the all-time greats for a reason. Uh, he had this facility for making stuff which is impossible to do physically look like you know it's the easiest thing in the world like falling off a log yeah. uh, and he does it so well and he's genuinely funny uh, he, he has that kind of character where he's not afraid to uh he's not afraid to like stand up to somebody who's bigger than him but then at the same time when he gets his ass handed to him it's kind of like oh well i i kind of expected that too yeah uh, but you can't you can't help but love him. He's uh, he's he's so good. He's so so good at what he does. Um, the the three ages, the three separate ages. I mean, they do kind of all feel like variations. Well, they are variations on on the same, same thing. Same thing, yeah. Uh, but but the the visual invention um, that uh, that Keaton and Klein do in each of them, and the little the little bits that they do in each of them, uh, really make them uh, really make them all feel you know fresh, even as you're you're going through the film. Um, and plus, it has this that really brilliant little cap off at the end with uh, with once he gets the girl. Spoilers for uh, you know a ninety year old movie, but um, <laughs> he gets he gets the girl in the end, and then uh, and then they they kind of show you in, in each of the three ages how that turns out. And the the third one, the the modern one, is actually kind of it's pretty funny, and even to this day, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I will rep for Buster Keaton 100% any day of the week. So and why? Three H is definitely out of the the out of the stuff that I've seen of his uh, from this past year. I, mean, I still have a lot of his to go through. I'll be really honest. Uh, a lot of the more more popular stuff of his I haven't seen yet. Um, and oh, that's man. you know yeah. I'm, I'm saving I'm saving it because I I'm just saving it up. I don't want to eat it. You know, it's like that steak you, you got sitting in your fridge. You're like, I want to fucking eat you. And, you know, you don't want to eat it. But then, you, then there's no more steak. That's right. Uh, Have you seen yeah, the cameraman no, I, yet? But the beautiful thing is that, you know, you, I'm sure you could always come back to it again and again and again. You can always buy another steak. This is uh, true. So, Have you seen and, the cameraman, Todd? I'm, I'm sorry? Sorry to cut you off. Have you seen his film, The Cameraman? Uh, da, 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 not yet. No, it's really. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the general. I haven't seen Sherlock Holmes Jr. Oh, Sherlock Jr. is Sherlock fucking Jr. so good. I like. Yeah. If I was ever, if someone put a gun to my head and said, "You have to pick one silent film that will convince someone that silent film is worth watching," it would be Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. I love yeah that no, movie, I got. Man. They're all. They're all. They're all on my list. Believe me. Very cool. What were you gonna say, Tanner? Oh yeah, just I agree, man. Sherlock Jr. is my favorite of his, and the stuff they were doing then. I mean, in, oh, in, in the twenties, it's Go just ahead. so outstanding. It's amazing. Yeah, and it talks about that through line that we always talk about. Like you see Buster Keaton, you're like, holy shit, this is where Jackie Chan and Stephen Chow and all these Hong Kong greats got their inspiration from this oh, yeah, sure. yeah. dry witted sort of deadpan face, rubber face, but kind of deadpan. Uh, man in the 20s so 
Yeah, yep. rub, rubbing yep. their heads like, ooh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lope's favorite thing when they do the ass rub and, you know, when they fall on their bums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right, so we're, we're on to my number three here. Uh, this was a, uh, a Scream Factory release this year. Um, and I don't know how I, it's one of those movies where I wish I would have seen this so long ago, but it is a Ninja three, the domination. Nice. <laughs> yes. 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 A whole lot of Dickie. I mean, yeah. geez, this is like, you know, this is like one of those ones like, like, like the visitor or something like that, or, you know, it, yes. it, it's just, it's insane. The opening alone, I mean, the the golf course fucking shootout, which is ridiculous enough to say just that, um, is I was sold. I was sold in a minute of the film, like, and and then I mean, you get arcade games that that shoot lasers at you and floating swords, <laughs> and it's just insanity. And it's so fun. It's another one of those Miami Connection things where. <laughs> they were just making a movie and, you know, they weren't, you know, maybe, I don't know if it was the same situation as Miami Connection where I don't really know if they thought they were making a good film, but they were having fun doing it and it shows. It's great that labels it, it's, it, are putting out films like this now. Oh my God. And like, I remember when it first got announced on Scream Factory and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why is this coming out on Scream Factory? And, and then you see it, and you, I mean, you kind of understand why. I mean, there's there's an there's like a fucking possession scene with you know with an exorcism almost, and it's uh, she's flipping around on ropes, and it's <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. It's so fun to watch. Like if you have not oh, seen Ninja a... Three: The Domination, don't worry <laughs> about seeing Ninja or Ninja Two because it won't matter. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, that's number three. It's just uh, insanity. Awesome. 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 Yeah, I love that movie, man. Love it. <laughs> I wish I would have seen this when I was a kid. Like, oh my I god. Love, <laughs> loved it. Yeah, I oh, it was it was formative, man. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I didn't see it till this year too, and it actually made my list. It's number eleven on mine. So nice. spoiler alert. Oh, but, nice. uh, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> oh, um, my number three. Are we on me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. My number three is uh, Electra Glide in Blue. Oh, yes. 1973. Right. I was yeah. blown away by this thing. It was it's so good. Um, I loved it, man. And Robert Blake's amazing in this. The story's amazing. The cinematography is amazing. Um, it's the just it's awesome. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> Greatest man. final shots in film history. Yeah. Dude, it really is. It was just amazing, man. I loved everything about it. Um, I can't say much more about that than than, than I loved it. Uh, I saw, you know, um, I saw some 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 Easy Rider influence, which I loved growing up as a kid, and you know, or not a kid, but whatever. But uh, you know, uh, I saw, um, you know, what's that Jack Nicholson movie, uh, Five Easy Pieces? I saw oh, some of that in this. Okay. I saw, like, you know, some of my favorite films I saw in this and that. It's just so good. So good. And much like um, we talked about Lawton, uh, James William Gersio sadly never made another film as a director. Yeah, this is his only movie, right? It's, yeah. it's weird, yeah. Uh, 
I think he was involved a lot with like music and stuff. Yeah, um, and a, I remember like researching him a bit afterwards because I was like itching for something else, you know, and uh, I couldn't find anything else other than like he was involved with a lot of music. A lot, yeah. I, I think there's a really great interview with him on the uh, on the blue. Um, yeah, on the commentary track. So it, it's definitely worth checking out. So I was I was watching when I watched that film like the first time I saw it. I was I was enthralled with it just completely, and I was already just. It was, I loved it, and then I didn't think I could love it anymore. And then, like you said, that that the final shot happens, and I was just like, "Oh, cinematic yeah. boner, Jesus!" Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah so from that good. title card to the final shot. Oh um, man! Just... <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I guess that brings it to me, doesn't it? Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this is a film. It seems to be that trend, you know. But I guess, as I've said, we can't see them all. I meant to see this for so long, and I finally saw it. And it's um, it's a film made by an American man who went to France and decided he was going to make a heist film, and he was going to make it with no money, and he was going to make it without speaking a language. And that's Jules Dassin's. Wait for it, Rafifi. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we reviewed it on the show. It is so good. I mean, this film is, I mean, it's very close to perfection cinematically. Um, I said so much about it already. I won't, I won't go on, but other than to say, if you're in Europe, the Aero Blue is tremendous. I own it. Um, and you, if you already own it, you don't need to upgrade. But if you're in America and you, Criterion's put, I think they just released it this week, right? Tuesday it's coming out. I believe so. Tuesday, yeah. yeah, so if you're here, you can buy the blue here. I will rep for this film all day. It is so, so, so good. It's the heist film. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I can't really add much to that one. Um, my number two is another one that uh, the gents reviewed uh, a little while back. And it's another one from the, the pre-code era. It's 1932's Earl C. Kenton's Island of Lost Souls. Nice. Uh, oh. This thing, this thing, <clears throat> this is one of those movies that eluded me, not because I wouldn't sit down and watch it or because it, I just never got around to it, because, but because for a long time it was just so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just in my head. But I don't remember seeing a whole lot of releases of this movie until Criterion came out with the uh, the blue just uh, just recently. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Oh, uh, but uh, oh, this this thing was just outstanding in so many ways. Uh, you know, again, you have Charles Lawton, uh, but here he's on the other side of the camera, yeah. he, and he's incredibly just sleazy and creepy and just. It's so great, and he's got that whip, and uh, he's magnetic the whole way through. But you just you can't stand him and what he's doing on this island. Uh, it's got these super super twisted uh, sex angles, uh, especially with the you know the with the, the what's her uh, what's her name uh, Lotta um, and Parker, and he's trying to hook them up, and uh, you know there's there's that whole thing about you know. Parker's devoted to his fiance, but you know, at the same time, Lotta's there on the island and she's available. So, you know, you kind of get that feeling like uh, he might just go for uh, for the Panther Woman. You don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a 
there's that the, all that great you know the prison bar shadow imagery all throughout the movie. Uh, there's the the whole the, the whole thing about the, like cultism going on with the law and the lawgiver and you know the house of pain and all that stuff. Um, the compositions aside from the the prison imagery, there's there's literally they almost look like just flat pools of black in the middle of uh, of a lot of compositions, and it just looks so good. Um, the 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 uh, what you call it the makeup effects for this are really effective, especially for the time. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and of course, I, I guess it, it didn't hurt that, you know, back then men were allowed to have body hair. So uh, <laughs> they really only had to just probably go out to the lot and find whoever, whatever longshoreman was, you know, working on the lot without a shirt on to be like, hey, come on over here. We need an extra for this movie. Um, but it, it works and it works so well. I, I don't know. I mean, as far as it being um, faithful to the the uh, the Wells novella. Uh, mostly, kind of, sort of, but I mean, as as a standalone film, as its own thing, uh, it, it it works 100%. I love this movie, and I'm gonna keep coming back to it. I think it might even, it might be just uh, under like a, a tier under uh, Freaks for me at this point. Nice. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what it's what it's doing um, in uh, in the realm of horror, and especially old school horror. Uh, so loved it, loved it, loved it, um, and that's all I got. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, my number two is from one of my top three directors of all time. And it's, it's, I don't know how I didn't see it because, it, you know, it, to me, it's, it, after watching it, it's, it's one of his better films. And that is Brian De Palma's Obsession. Nice. Um, yeah. I don't know how this one got away from me for so long. I love De Palma and, you know, I, I, I bought the uh, the Arrow Blue. Uh, it's a UK disc, and it's so good. It's kind of a, a rehash, I guess people would say, of Vertigo, but, you know, people would say that De Palma's whole career is a rehash yeah. of Hitchcock's, yeah. but that doesn't bother me because Hitchcock or uh, De Palma does it with his own panache and style. And um, this one is just a twisty, turny, you feel fucking horrible for the lead actor kind of movie. Oh yeah. Um, you know, daughter, daughter and, 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 and wife, uh, they, I, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but something happens to, to a daughter and a wife and, you know, they get kind of caught up in something and, uh, it's, I, I don't want to say too much about this movie because if you haven't seen it, um, it'll ruin it. Just know that it, it's, to me, it's classic to Palma. It's got his, all of his signature, you know, stylistic choices. Uh, it's got for, I consider really good performances, um, great locations. It's just a really good thriller. If you want a good mystery thriller in a De Palma style, Obsession is for you. Nice. But I don't want to say too much about the plot because it's it's a <laughs> twisty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, number two for me, um, I, I don't know if I'm ever saying this right. It's um, Harakiri, Death of a Samurai, yeah, the remake Har- of the, the Takashi Miike. Is, is that right? Yeah, Harakiri, man, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this movie is amazing. Uh, I love I love Takashi Miike. He's probably one of my top three favorite directors as well. Um, yeah. He, you know, ever since audition, I've just been glued to everything. He's a machine, you know, and he just makes so many good movies. Um 
This thing, though, man, it's totally different. I mean, 13 Assassins blew me away, and then this, even on top of it, it's like he's just maturing, and his stuff's yeah. just so all over the place because, uh, you know, it's so good. It's such an adult film for him, you know. Um, shot well. It's acted well. It's a great story. I mean, it's almost all done in flashbacks, but it's done right, you know, and it's just it's awesome. Yeah, it is it is really, 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 really well done. I've uh, still not seen the original. I have the blue. I'm sitting on it. Um, I know some people say, oh, you guys see the original, but uh, and I will, but uh, I think it's as fine a remake as you're going to get, and I, I feel like it does surpass uh, 13 Assassins. Yeah, I agree uh, too. No, Todd. Well, yeah, I think it's. I, I for me, it's it's definitely on the same level as Thirteen Assassins. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that it surpasses it for me. I, as far as from my take on it, I still prefer the original myself. Sure. Of this film, uh, the changes, but by that same token, the the changes that Mike made to uh, to the film, I think work. For what he was doing, uh, so uh, you know it's it, it is its own film as well as being a remake, and that's you know that's a tough thing to pull off, especially when you're doing something when you're doing stuff. something as as specific as Harakiri is. Yeah, because that, it's kind of like Rashomon. much loved, right? I mean, it's it's like you're you're like setting yourself up for failure out of the gates. That film so loved the world over. Right, and a lot of, a lot of it, you know, and especially because of like I said, how specific the original Harakiri is. It's kind of like Rashomon in that. You know, it's it's based on what you're not being told and what you have to be told through flashbacks. So, you know, how you're going to do that is really going to determine how well the movie works. And that's not a, an easy thing to do a remake of and have it work as well as the original. And I think it does uh, in a lot of ways. But, uh, um, I mean, personally for me, I still prefer the original. I, I'm with Todd. I'd go, I'd go the 13 Assassins. A hair, a fucking hair over um, Harakiri. Mm-hmm. But... um. It has been a joy watching Mike really just mature um, into. I mean, he's he's making his. He's been. I don't know how many films the guy's made. He's made like About it's got to be hundreds. At, yeah, it's it's got to be in the hundreds at this point. Yeah, no kidding. And they're just getting better and better. Like it's unbelievable. Well, he's he's a director who I've always said this about him. Even if I don't particularly care for the movie that I'm watching that he made. There's always, always, always something that he has in there that's going to keep my interest, whether it's visual, whether it's thematic, whether it's, you know, whatever. Uh, he, he has that knack for even when, you know, it's something that's not really pacey or not something that's um, particularly great. Uh, there's always something in there that uh, that maintains my interest, always. And it's amazing to me that he does that and he's so wide ranging in in the stuff that he tackles he's 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 a fearless filmmaker in a lot of ways because he's not afraid to do just about anything uh and throw it up on screen and i love yeah, that yeah. that's really great because yeah, he could do it he could pull it off yeah he's not scared to try yeah. anything at all no um, and he's got that he's got the talent to do it absolutely it's wild to see like his filmography and see like how his fans and everything's just so completely different from the last thing. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to whatever he does next. Absolutely. And I still have so much of his back stuff to, to get through. Did you see a uh, lesson of the evil? It's so good. No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, that's, that made my top 30 of a uh, new uh, 2013. Movie. Yeah. I love that movie. Man. We'll be talking about that on the year end show. It's yeah. magnificent. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. Nice. 
Cool. Now that is that one. Does anybody know if that one's getting? Is that getting a release in America or just DVD? Probably or? never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said the same about Battle Royale. True. Yeah. True. Well, hopefully sooner than later, but uh, yeah, definitely. We'll see. So that brings it around to numero uno, doesn't it? Number one. Yes, sir. This is the big one. This is the one when I saw it, I proclaimed that I've seen my number one film of the year, and this was in the summer. Again, one of the most important films. Whenever you see film lists made of the greatest films of all time, this film's always in the list. And it's like, man, I gotta see this. I can't. I'm a sham. I'm a sham. I haven't seen this. And uh, I finally saw it, and it took um, an Italian Jewish filmmaker um, who coincidentally shares a birthday with me, um, leaving Italy uh, at a time of anti Semitism, going to France. And taking the Italian style of neorealism to new heights, and I'm talking about Gillo Pontecervo's *The Battle of Algiers*. <laughs> Man, this film is incredible. Um, it's got an amazing uh, Ennio Morricone score. It 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 really feels like a documentary um, mm. that you're watching. The film was banned in France for years because it really it's it's about the Algerian War of Independence. And uh, it looks at some events that occurred <clears throat> in French Algeria at the time, and um, it's uh, it's an astounding piece of work. It's an exciting film, almost 50 years on. It feels as exciting to me from a technique and a cinematic standpoint as it does, uh, and I, the ideas that it, it it talks about and presents. Um, this film deserves all of the accolades that it gets. The Blu-ray is expensive. It's like double it's like i don't know it's an insane price but i finally bought it i had to buy it after seeing it how could i not um, so i went to the old bnn sale and and swooped in and i cannot recommend this film enough i know um speaking of Rafefe, um <laughs> paul hughes i think it's his number one of the year for first time watches and scott of married with clickers and cat of married with clickers reviewed it on their show go back and listen to their episode um they do a great show in fact they just put out their top 10 first time film watches or discoveries of the year episode which you can probably get on their feed married with clickers but they cover this and uh, ponte curvo's follow-up film uh, burn i believe and uh man this this film is is a masterpiece by any measure and that's it cool cool um my number one uh, is also from an Italian director. Uh, it is from 2011, though. This is Paolo Sorrentino's yes! This Must Be the Place. Yes, <laughs> yes. This thing was so fucking good. Um, it really is. It, so it's good. man. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get through the, the bad things for me. The bad thing for me is the the, the overly self-consciously arty bits uh and they do stick out like sore thumbs and the biggest one the one that i always think of as being the biggest check mark against the film uh is the scene um where uh pen is talking to david byrne uh it just really really doesn't work it's flat it's you know you know when he's sitting there proclaiming how david byrne is an artist you know that whole thing (laughs) I, that just it really feels like a, a, like a, a kind of you know it's just extraordinarily the pandering self-conscious kind of arty thing 
but by that same token, by that same token, so much of the rest of the film works so fucking well. Um, I love, I I actually love Penn's voice. It reminded me of, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Capote. Oh yeah. uh, As Capote. Um, uh, there's the, 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 the genuine connection that you feel between uh, Penn's character and his wife, uh, Frances McDormand, um, you know, how she's kind of like, you know, flighty and airy and she kind of keeps him grounded while he's kind of, you know, just in his own world and he's fried. Um, I love how the movie's about these, these decisions in your life and your changing perspective as you get older. Uh, and it's, it's really, really well summed up when he's, I think he's in a bar at one point. And he says he's talking to some guy, and he says, uh, "We go from an age when we say I will be this to an age when we say that's life." Yeah. And that's really kind of for me what the the movie uh, is. It's it's extremely funny. Um, you know, like the scene where he's he's hiding in the house with the duck at night trying to get the picture. Um, <laughs> there's the, uh, the 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 scene with the the Diggy Pop song, the passenger, where he's dancing. Um, the the but you know. Aside from all of that, it's also really it's really touching. It's really uplifting. Like the scene where, uh, or I'm not going to say where, but the scene with the the little boy and the pool and his mother. Oh, uh, it's you know you see that scene and you just you can't help but well up. Even though this movie is so on its face ridiculous and just you know, and maybe that's the point. Maybe he was he was trying to say like look at how ridiculous this is, but at the same time, then I'm going to make you care about all of this shit. Uh, and you know maybe learn a little bit about uh, about you know life and looking at life. Um, it also has one of the most powerful images I've probably seen in a, in a long, long time, and that's at the end in the, the snow. Lake. Yeah, wow. I'm not going to say more than that. Uh, but uh, it's it's just the movie works. The the great things about this movie work a fuck of a lot better than the bad things work against it. And it's so, so good. If you haven't seen it, see it. Um, if you don't like Sorrentino, I honestly don't know what to tell you because he's becoming one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, and yeah, man, I can't wait to see uh, The Great Beauty. Can't oh, wait. Man. Yeah, so happy that's your number one. Yeah, I figured you'd, <laughs> I figured you'd, you would, uh, you would like that one. But yeah, it, it was. It, it, that and Island of Souls battled it out. Man, very cool. Yeah, that's so, a great that's a great film. And that's my number one. Kelly, kick it over to you. <laughs> All right. Uh my number one's kind of a uh it kinda got uh, the wind ta- the wind taken out of it. Um it's been mentioned already. And it is nineteen fifty five's wait for it. <laughs> Riffefe. Nice. <laughs> um yeah, like Will said, it's 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 like it's the heist film. It's it's so so good and so easy to like it, when you watch it. Like you just want to see what where they're gonna go and and how they're gonna do this and watching them come up with the the, the things the how they do the 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 heist. You know the, their ideas that they're using and uh, silencing the alarm and all that stuff. It's it's so intriguing and. There's like, you know, the whole silent part of the movie, you know, during the heist reminds me of nowadays how you get people that, you know, a Tarantino movie comes out or, or, or whatever. And, he, you know, he has these long drawn out scenes of dialogue that a lot of people say like, wow, you know, only somebody like Tarantino can do that nowadays, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he's back then, like, this is like the, the equivalent, like 
who would have thought like a silent, you know, I don't know how long it is, 25 minute silence in a movie could be so captivating. Um, and it's, it's just great. It's easily my number one of first time watches. It's almost so, like, so good. It's almost like you don't even want to move an inch when you're watching that scene. Yeah. Like you don't want to make a noise. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, it's so, so good. And I cannot wait for the Blu-ray. Jesus Christ. Like Tuesday is going to be a goddamn gift. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that's my number one. Rafifi. Ro- Sorry, Rafifi. There it is. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, well, when it comes down to it, I love uh, I love shock. I love violence. I love a little sex, a little sleaze. My number one uh, is William Frickin's Killer Joe. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, a guy that can make great films in his early early career and still makes great films now. I think uh, not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people lose touch. And I mean, he's an old guy now, and he's still making stuff like this, which I just love to death i loved everything about it i loved the uh, the setting the style the pacing the violence the, uh, the sex like oh man the math mcconaughey <laughs> <laughs> he's just so good in this he's so good in this so um yeah nothing else can be really be said about that i just loved it mcconaughey is so so strong in that movie it's God. ridiculous <laughs> so good so yeah. It is. It is nice to see him at what, like eighty or like, let's say between seventy-five and eighty, still having the nuts to make really, um, really kind of like rough film that's that's masterfully done. He's oh. been having a resurgence lately, and I'm I'm really happy about that. Yeah, big time, man. And and between him and McConaughey, like I've been watching stuff for totally. this year's Cram with McConaughey. Mm. Like it seems the past two or three years. You know, and thanks in large part to Freakin, um, you know, I've been the, re- the return of of McConaughey to becoming one of the, the the American actors I look most forward to seeing what they're in. Oh yeah, Dude, and he's he's got he's got uh, True Detective coming out uh, tomorrow. It's tonight. tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah, well t- yeah, Sunday. What the hell am I thinking? <laughs> ten ten years ago, I'll even say five years ago, if you would have told me like, hey, you're gonna look to matthew mcconaughey for like your movies in five years like you anything he comes out with you're going to be intrigued by i was like you're fucking crazy and no everything he does now is on my radar the guy's on a fucking roll yeah, yeah. he is <laughs> it's very cool man very cool um we're gonna keep the train rolling unless anyone has to go pee or do anything else nope i'm good all right i'm good man we will keep going keep mine we probably won't finish. Well, we definitely won't finish by six, which is three-year time, um, since it's already past that. <laughs> Hopefully, we can get through these films in an hour. Um, so I'm going to start. And I'm going to try to to keep it uh, brief here. Uh, this film's already been talked about. My number eleven. Uh, it's a film that we've also covered on the show. Um, the Funimation disc looks beautiful. If you haven't seen Hong Kong Godfather, yeah. stop what you're doing. And I, I said that last time too, man. That's such a figure of speech. I gotta stop using multitask in this age of technology. <laughs> Go to your trusted online vendor, order Hong Kong Godfather. It is amazing. Yeah, no, I picked it. I picked it up when they uh, when they said that they were stopping. Funimation was stopping uh, putting it out. So, but I haven't seen it yet. I still don't know who Beardy is. I, everybody always talks about Beardy, and I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> you'll you'll know who it is. 
Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> I'd imagine um, he would be the bearded one. He will be the bearded <laughs> one. <laughs> and and it's got to be said, like that DVD. I mean, it's so good looking. Like that that whole line that they put out. I think it's it's Funimation and Celestial Pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Everything they've been putting out it just looks amazing. Like oh, yeah. Jesus, like it's so good. It's yeah, it's late. It's like mid '80s, end of the run kind of Shaw, trying to keep up with the Golden Harvest and the sort of '80s bonkers stuff. It's sleazy and it's and and I'll tell you what, Tanner, you like the raid, and we talked about on the show. This sort of does a lot of things the raid do as far as being stabby and energetic. Um, oh yeah, very well, but with like white blazers with the sleeves rolled up and feathered <laughs> Chinese hair, which is always amazing. A lot of flipped over tables and yeah. stuff flying. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this thing. Cool Good stuff. <clears throat> Toddy. Alrighty, uh, my number eleven is uh, out of France, 1960. Uh, George, I'm gonna murder this uh, name right now, so I'm just saying it. Uh, George Franjou's. George Franjou, yeah. George Franjou's uh, Eyes Without a Face. Uh, nice. It is so so good. Uh, one of those movies that just seems to get remade and remade and remade and remade and remade, um, and it's it's just it's great. It's creepy. Uh, there's that one scene. That the the thing that really kind of got me when I was watching it the first time was uh, the scene when the doctor opens up the garage doors and in the background you could hear the, uh, the all the dogs, dogs going nuts and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, yeah. uh, and then you find out. Um, the uh, the operation scene I felt was structured uh, like uh, a, a Melville heist or even to for you guys a Dassin uh, heist scene uh, in that you know it's kind of like it's kind of picked apart and you know meticulous about it. Um, it's uh, it's really good. It's it speaks on multiple levels and it looks great and it's creepy and it's kind of a little trashy. Uh, and it's just one that uh, that everybody should see, even if you uh, even if you got to read it, even if you got to read subtitles. Uh, definitely, eyes without a face. High, high recommend. Next. Okay, number eleven is a uh, awesome piece of cinema called Massage Parlor Murders. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Released uh, by Vinegar Syndrome this year on Blu-ray and. It is ridiculous. I mean, there's there's a guy. There's a scene in this movie where there's a chase, uh, a car chase. The guy in a robe, and then he has to get out. He has to get out on the streets of New York, barefoot, running. And you know, he's he's running through fruit stands in his car. It, it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a bad movie, but it's it's so fun to watch. There's a there's a pool party scene where I'm pretty. Pre- pretty sure 80 percent of people on the screen are actually fucking and uh so there's and, a party in the pool and everybody's coming yeah 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 <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's hilarious it, i mean it has it has an alternate opening with a dude in, in a massage parlor it, just with him and having this conversation about money that you got to see it to believe it how ridiculous this movie is it's just fun as hell. Please watch Massage Parlor Murders. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. it. Um, my number, uh, what is it, 11 now? Yeah, I'm on. All right, number 11, uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. We've already kind of yeah. talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it's I, it was hard not to put it in my top ten. Honestly, it was it was a battle, but uh, I loved it, man. Everything about it was great. Yeah, Dickie's amazing. <laughs> Lucinda's not bad either, but uh, moving along. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Lucinda, man. She she was. I think we'd said it on the show. She's like the John Cazale of '80s, like junkie cult cinema. She only yeah. made a handful, but everyone counts, man. Yeah, just amazing. <laughs> I want her to be the Professor X in my musical dance version of the, the Mutants. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's that's <laughs> like um that's see that's kind of in line with my my Sheila E. <laughs> film that I was telling you guys about with the time machine. Cool. Um, was that all, Tanner? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's just it's great. I mean I'm sure most of everybody's seen it, so it's uh. I don't know how me and Kelly missed out on this thing in the 80s or, you know, early 90s or whatever. I mean, we were, you know, 10 or whatever, you know. I'm age. You know, um, I loved ninja movies and I rented the crap out of them. I just don't know how I didn't see this one. Um, maybe, it got, maybe it got thrown in the horror section and nobody noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, my number 12 was a film that came to me because of a strong proclamation that I needed to stop what I was doing. Everyone needed to stop what they were doing and watch this film if they hadn't seen it because it's so good. It was recommended to me by very, very dear friend, wonderful all-around person, Scott of Married with Clickers. Um, it was put out by a label I will not support, uh, which is uh, Twilight Time. Yes! But <laughs> the film is Leave Her to Heaven, which is, uh, uh, I was going to say 2005, 1945, uh, Technicolor kind of film noir with the breathtaking Gene Tierney, Vincent Price, and Cornell Wilde. And this is the film that has one of the most interesting uh, psychological, at least from a psychological standpoint, uh, top of everything else, Femme Fatales. Um, it's so good. If you've ever seen the film, all I need to say is the boat in the water. And you know where I'm going with it. Um, it is an amazing film. It's beautiful to look at. Um, I really, really can't recommend it enough. Have and it's nice to it. see Vincent Price sort of playing it straight-faced. As much as I love him sort of being campy, you know. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, very cool film, man. Very cool. No, I need to catch up with that one myself. Yeah, I've never seen it. Cool. Now we all have something to do. Yes. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. That's Get right. Get off the show now. <laughs> uh, over to me. Yeah. Uh, my number 12 has already been talked about. It is 2011's Killer Joe. Nice. Um, I think the, the, the one of the appeals of this movie for me is that the great thing about epically bad ideas is watching them just fall to shit. <laughs> and this is absolutely that. Uh, it's got the feel of like a Jim Thompson or an Elmore Leonard novel, who yes. two authors who I really really like. Totally. Uh, it, it has, it, I'm, I'm just gonna say it, it has the best use of this song "Stroken" ever. Yes. Um, <laughs> Clarence Carter yeah. would be proud. Yes. And uh, it, it's um, you know the the one character that the the main young character Chris, uh, he's so wildly dumb that he gets a little irritating. Yeah. Uh, but I think that McConaughey makes up for that in Spades. Uh, it's so so good on so many levels. Uh, Killer Joe, yeah. It, if you're if you're steering away from it for whatever reason, I can't imagine. It, it's absolutely worth seeing, 100. percent And 
let's just let's just use this as a calling card for the film and a sales point. Gina Gershon Punani inside of thirty seconds of the film opening. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. I had to class it up, sorry, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Cal? I think we lost him. We oh, lost. We? Oh, let's see. Ooh. Oh, there he is. Sorry about that. That's okay. Were you just uh, eating some KFC or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, sucking it down. Yeah. <laughs> we stroking. Get <laughs> yeah. Get Are we on to me now? Yeah. Man. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, yeah, number 12 is. Um, like I said, I watched a lot of Toe this year, but I also watched a lot of Melville. Uh, and uh, this was uh, Ledulos. Le nice. I, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. but Is that what it is? Okay. I, I would um, so, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, just again, uh, Melville is a, a master of the crime genre. But not only just crime, but like... Uh, Is Kelly there? A subgenre of of like corrupt crime. Uh, and yeah, am I not? You are. Sorry, there might have been a bit of a lag. I'm sorry. I couldn't oh. for a moment. Um, but yeah, just a, a master of of corrupt crime movies and deception. And uh, Led Dulo is is no exception, I guess, to uh, his filmography. I mean, everything I watched from the guy this year, which was a lot. It just was so good. Even even his lesser things, I guess people consider lesser, like uh, Dirty Money or Un Flick, um, I really liked. But uh, yeah, this was a, a great, another great crime entry from, from one of the masters. Have you seen Army of Shadows? Yeah. I think that's his best mm-hmm. film. Um, I'm right there with you, um, but I... I I love Le Cirque Rouge. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. I, my my personal favorite is uh, Bob Le Flambeur. which I haven't seen. I haven't seen I haven't seen Bob the Gambler or Le Dulo yet. Oh man, yeah. yeah the, the guy's just you, you almost can't go wrong with him. He's just made yeah. such good stuff. No, you you really can't. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's my only thing. Oh. Tanner. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Are you good? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, my number 12 was um, a documentary. Um, it's called Z Channel. Nice. Obsession. Yeah. yeah, this thing. I had no idea about this thing. Um, it's done by John Cassavetes' daughter. Um, I fell upon it. I don't know how. It's um, it's mind-blowing, man. Uh, I can't imagine uh, the 70s and, like, television and not having anything, like, at our fingertips, you know, what we want to watch. And this guy, Jerry Harvey, like put all this stuff out there on TV for people to watch and see and just like all this magnificent cinema that no one was watching. And he was just so passionate about like good movies and stuff that we're into now. And it's just, it's awesome. Uh, it's a great documentary too. There's a lot of great people talking about him and, and about the times. And uh, yeah, you guys have all seen it. Yeah. It's, it's oh, amazing, yeah. man. Anyone who's in our community and hasn't seen it needs to see it. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. It's a great, great documentary. And what's cool about Harvey was he liked everything sort of like, I think, like all of us, you know, real cinephiles. He likes everything from sort of the the rompier, junky kind of stuff right through to sort of high, highbrow, arty stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, it's 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 cool. Yeah, there's a it's a big range of uh, films that he put out there, and, and you know, as I was watching, I just could could not imagine, you know, like um, I mean, I grew up, you know, in the '80s and early '90s, and even then, like it was hard to get a hold of some stuff. So like in the mid seventies to be able to watch this stuff on television, you know, for like a pay-per-view channel, it's just so cool. You know, it's hard to grasp. Oh yeah. Awesome. And that means it's me and I'm standing here yeah. with my dick in my hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear you clicking away over there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, and it's ironic cause I just clicked on a post that sort of was, uh, as Todd, likes to say big enough to touch all the sides <laughs> um my number 13 lucky number 13 is a film that was already talked about and it's a film that i can't again can't wait for march 4th because that means i get to see that babysitter that pretty birdie <laughs> um that that amazing birthday gift and oh, uh, <laughs> and everything that celestial sort of like Conjuring light show dance move John Houston epic theme, uh, yeah, it's the visitor man. So everyone needs to get on that, and uh, yeah, that's my number thirteen. Cool, cool. My uh, <clears throat> number thirteen comes from us, uh, comes to us from uh, 1955. So we have another movie from 1955, uh, and this one is Douglas Sirk's All That Heaven Allows. Oh yes, uh, this is outstanding. It's gorgeous to look at but yeah. beyond that there's so much going on underneath the underneath the just the veneer of it um you know it's that that whole struggle against marginalization and being bound by uh you know societal roles and uh it, it's great it's it's one of those things you wouldn't expect you would kind of think that it's it, you, you look at it and you're kind of like oh it's just some romantic you know melodrama kind of thing and it is that but it's it's a lot lot more uh, because you have the pairing up of Rock Hudson's character with um, uh, oh lord I'm gonna forget her name uh, I was about to say Doris Day ironically um, no uh, <laughs> is it Deborah Car- it wasn't Deborah Care was it no no uh, oh man I just God, now, now I feel like an ass uh, anyway. Uh, but she's, you know, she's really buttoned down society, and he's Jane Wyman. Jane Wyman, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I can't believe you guys didn't know that. Jeez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm turning in my card after this. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, you know, he's like all all nature and kind of fiercely independent, and she's, you know, bound by these these rules that she's been in this this, uh, this society. society. Exactly, right? exactly. And, <laughs> you know, it's all summed up. Again, we get another great quote, uh, but it comes from Thoreau. Most men lead lives with quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And that's, you know, what the film is entirely about. Uh, it, it does kind of play a little bit to genre in the way that it ends up. You know, it kind of gives in a little bit on that. But overall, you know, it's a, it's a really great movie that you wouldn't expect to see, especially at this time uh, time period, uh, especially out of Hollywood. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, if you haven't seen it, see it. And now I need to seek out more uh, more of Cirque's work personally. So Cirque, Cirque's amazing, and this yeah. was my first Cirque. I've only seen a handful of Cirque, but I love this film with all my heart. And it is as, as beautiful a film I think as there is. It's a shame it doesn't have a blue yet. Because this yeah, is the kind yeah. of film that's made for blue. All these technical films need to get out on blue. Um, my only gripe with the film, very quickly, is I feel like the accident that occurs seems a little bit too kind of perfect. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, but other than that, man, I love it so much. Yeah, I really rep for it too, man. I'm glad you dug it. Yeah, cool, cool. Kelly? All right. Uh, number 13 is a movie from the year that I entered the Earth, 1984. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it is called The Hit. Stephen oh. Freer's oh, film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I've never yeah. seen it. All right. It is Terrence Stamp. If, if you like uh, The Limey, mm-hmm. um, the Soderbergh film with Terrence Stamp, really check out The Hit because it's just Terrence Stamp being too fucking cool. And it, the, the bad guys in this are, are inept. You know, they. But that that's what makes it so good is, is you're watching these bumbling guys try to, uh, you know, um, basically. Uh, they're they're holding Terrence Stamp, uh, you know, uh, and they just keep fucking up. And Terrence Stamp the whole time is just kind of sitting back, you know, being laughing at him like you guys don't know what you're fucking doing. And it's just fun to watch. Um, it's got that '80s aesthetic, um, you know, gritty and and just a great great film. And it's got a good release from Criterion. Uh, so yeah, if you want to check out like a 80s, you know, crime, cool little kind of gritty crime film. That's the hit. Man, I'm gonna see that. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've always wanted to though. It's been kind of on my list. It's still yeah. shame. It's another one where I, I I I don't feel comfortable giving too much plot away. Um, right. but, yeah, no, you can't. Um, it's really, really worth your time. I'd say. Cool, cool. My uh, my number thirteen is um. It's a movie that I, I liked, but um, after I read uh, some stuff about it, I actually I dug it even more. It's uh, 1968's Target. Oh, I love this film so much, man. Yeah, it's uh, really good. And I, I liked it, um, but then I started reading um, Shock Value and uh, that book uh, by Jason Zinneman. And uh, he writes a bit about it in like one of the like the third or fourth chapter where it's like, it was kind of like Peter uh, Bogdanovich's, uh, it was like about the, his movie his horror movie about the death of it horror tends. movies, how he put it. And it's just, it's so good. It's, it's, you know, it's leaving an old style and entering a new, you know, new style. And it's, it's really good movie. Man. It touches on like the Kent state shootings, I think too, like some of the yeah, yeah, society yeah. at the time. And yeah. 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 I just loved like, you know, leaving the old and in with a new kind of a, kind of an aspect with it. And, uh, it kind of just kept getting higher and higher on my list as the year went through, you know, uh, it's a great, great film. Yeah, no, and it's a theme that it's a theme that keeps reworking itself, you know, every few years because it's still it's something that keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, and I love Boris Karloff, even though he's kind of like himself in this. I love. Yeah, he's great in it though, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, that's it, Tanner. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So number fourteen is a film that um, uh, I just realized, just a, a fun fact as we go here. Um, eight of my top ten were Criterion releases. <laughs> Testament. Yeah, I'd, I'd say over half of my uh, whole list is probably Criterion stuff. <laughs> Testament to that that the, the label. Um, so uh, yeah, my number fourteen is also a Criterion, and it's one that uh, I'd meant to see for some time. I bought it, I'd sat on it, and not for any reason, just hadn't gotten around to it. Um, I know one, I believe, one-time filmmakers, or at least filmmakers that. Didn't work a lot, and this one didn't work a lot because he was mostly shooting films. It's Haskell Wexler's Medium Cool. Um, yeah, yes. with, with um, 
uh, burr, 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 targets um, how it's a film that still is very uh, timely, and this film is very much a timely film. And uh, yeah, it was so crazy to see Robert Forrester so young, looking like Charles Bronson's more like more handsome younger brother, and uh, Mariana Hill and Verna Bloom are great in it. And I'm going to take every opportunity I can to say his name. Uh, the wonderfully named Peter Boners uh, <laughs> puts in a solid turn in the film. Old Pete Bone. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, man. And uh, yeah, just just a really really exceptional film and an important film, I think. Um, the the scenes the scenes at the uh, the riots and stuff oh, like that man. are intense. Yeah, it's it's it feels there's this immediacy and this intensity to it. Yeah, so great stuff, media cool. Alrighty. Uh, my number 14 is uh, Delmer Dave's film from 1947. It is Dark Passage. Nice. Uh, nice. Great, great, great film noir movie. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of risks with the, with the storytelling for a lot of the first, you know, third of the film. You don't see Humphrey Bogart. You only hear him. First person, and then, right? Because it's like, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And then, and then after that, uh, for another large portion of the film, you don't hear him. Yeah. So, you know, the star of the movie, you're getting like half of a performance from it, but he's still, uh, you know, making a character. Uh, and it's really, really good. It works so well. Um, the ending it feels a little forced and a little, you know, uh, um, upbeat just for the sake of being a Hollywood movie. Um, but uh, other than that, it's a top-notch uh, movie in the in the film noir genre. Um, a Dark Passage, uh, thumbs up. And that's that's all I got to say on that one. Pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, all right. Number 14 is now there's I know there's other versions of this movie, um, but I've only seen this one. And it's 1979's uh, Scum. Oh, with, man. Uh, the daddy. With, with Ray. Yeah. Who's I'm the daddy. <laughs> and uh, this is a brutal, brutal movie. Um, but powerful you know just um raw ray winstone is is like a, a firecracker man he just he when he explodes he explodes on the screen and it's it's amazing and i i don't know about the other versions of this i, I think there's like a tv ser- mini series on it and i don't know but but this version uh really blew me blew me away it was uh honest and and pretty pretty vicious in its uh, portrayal of, of what it what it showed very cool 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 um my number 14 comes from a director that was born in a uh, long beach so uh, long beach represent here walter <laughs> hill yeah hill. this is uh another one of those twilight time releases uh hard times nice. with charles oh, bronson so and good. nice Burn. this movie was awesome man i loved i loved i loved the period i loved uh I love Cheney, the character that Charles Bronson. I mean, he's just like barely speaking in the entire movie, but just so, so, so cool. Such a cool guy. Um, Who we lose? Kelly. Kelly. It's good. It's all good. There he is. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no worries, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just talking about how cool Charles Bronson is, you know. <laughs> what What movie is this? Hard times. Hard times. Oh hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a great. It's a great watch. Yeah, definitely. And I, lo- I loved I love James Coburn in this too. It's interesting to see him in this character. Uh, I love this character in this as well. It's just awesome, awesome flick. Yeah, hell of a cast for your first film. 
Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, I've never even really, uh, never really, it was never on my radar, and I love Walter Hill to death, and it was never on my radar, so it was kind of cool to see this. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Well, yeah, Coburn, Bronson, Strother, Martin. The only weak spot for me is Jill Ireland, but yeah. then again, she's always been the weak spot for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I like her more than that. Sandra Locke, though. I will say. Ah, oh, that's a fine line. <laughs> that's a real fine line. Because uh, yeah, I don't particularly care for either one of them in any way, shape, or form. But that's me. Uh, but yeah, no, Hard Times, huge, huge, huge movie. Me too, man. It's so good. Um, okay, so number fifteen, Criterion again. It's one that I uh, I bought. Um, really embarrassed that I'd never seen it, and it was one I was I was almost like worried to see because I thought it was just. Um, it's just, it was just going to kill me to watch. I was going to make me cry a lot and, um, because of its subject matter. And it's uh, Akira Kurosawa's 1952 film, Akiru. Yes! Yeah, this film. I'm, I'm getting misty-eyed just thinking about this film. Um, so good. It it's really, really is so good. And I think the more time goes on, the more this film will mean to me. Um, Takeshi Shimura puts in a really wonderful, a really tender performance. Um, yeah. It, it says so much about life, and it does that thing the Japanese film does maybe better than anyone. That it does it with an economy. It doesn't. It doesn't bang you over the head with things. It's it's profound in its simplicity, and it's mm -hmm. beautiful in its simplicity. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't really, I can't recommend it enough. It's it's another one. It's like that old school sort of oversized Criterion case because they haven't put it out on blue yet. Um, but yeah, it's so good, man. And and it reminds people like Shimura. I think kind of sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Talk about great Japanese actors of the time, and he should be mentioned alongside the Mifunis. And then oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's one of the all time greats. And, he could uh, do humble as well as he could do thoughtful as well as he could do fierce. Yeah, absolutely, man. He um, was absolutely a, 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 such a well rounded actor, and he's so good and so good in this, even when he's not on screen. You feel even when he's not in the movie. Oh, for sure. There's so much humanity and warmth in his performance, and it, it tender and. It's, yeah, it's bittersweet. Yeah. It's 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 life. I mean, this film really encapsulates life because it looks at a man and his when he gets he finds out he's dying and, and what he does with his life and yep. And it, it it doesn't take the obvious turns towards sentiment. It's a sentimental film that isn't overly so, which is a fine yeah. line. Yeah, no, it is. It is easily. It may be my favorite Kurosawa above all. Well, no, and it's that's uh, wow. Mine's mine, yeah. My uh, yeah, it, it, I I would I would waver between uh seven samurai and ikiro because it's just it's so good yeah it is yeah no everybody everybody should see that whether or not there's people getting sliced apart in samurai swords and all that <laughs> shit <laughs> now you, you need to see this if you like kurosawa at all you need to see ikiro yeah anyone who has a heart which are all yeah of yeah yeah you gotta see it I think this is make a good double bill with, uh, well, yeah, uh, with um, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Yeah, 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 it would. I think so, absolutely. Cool. Over to me. Yes, sir. All righty. Uh, my number 15 comes from uh, the guy who likes to mug at the camera, Jerry Lewis, 1961, <sighs> uh, The Ladies' Man. Yes. This movie... <laughs> It's so many great set pieces in this thing. There's exquisite staging, like there's that that the opening, it's kind of like a Rube Goldberg kind of contraption. <laughs> uh, that I love the massive that massive massive set, and it's all one Dollhouse. big thing. And he just yeah, oh my god, it was so good. Uh, 
Kathleen Freeman and Lewis play uh, absolutely marvelously off each other. Um, and and the thing that I liked is that for his, it, 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 it's it's okay to you know kind of let a joke play out, let it let it go of its own volition, and then they're not afraid to come back to it later on and pay it off again and just wring every last bit out of a, a joke. Um, and I, I appreciate that kind of thing. Um, this was great, great stuff. I've been getting into uh, a lot more uh, Jerry Lewis recently, been catching up on a lot of his stuff. Uh, the guy is – there There are reasons why people kind of pick on a lot of his shtick and that whole you – know, like, you know, like I said, the, the mugging thing and <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of th- – that stuff, a little bit of that goes a very long way. But the other stuff that he does Genius. is the stuff that it, it really is. It's amazing stuff that he's doing, and people don't give that as much credit as they should because they're so fixated on the more obvious, you know, the bigger – bombastic dumb shit that he does it's almost like tarantino right laven lady so cute and i want a picture and stuff oh my yeah. you know so people get caught up in that but i mean the guy really is a genius he's yeah. you know doing marvelous stuff he's you know buster keaton's uh you know heir apparent this is my favorite jerry lewis film uh yeah yeah i would agree with that adore and it's beautiful and it needs a blue as much as any film in the world needs a blue oh yeah it looks it looks absolutely astounding the colors in it are fucking phenomenal so yes uh, if you see one jerry lewis movie this year make it the ladies man (laughs) (laughs) nice uh okay uh, Is that Kelly doing the, uh, <laughs> the Jerry Lewis? In I think it was. I think it was both of us. It was me. It was me and Todd. That was amazing, man. Hey, <laughs> lady. You guys need to hit the cat skills as a team, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So fifteen. Um, staying in nineteen seventy nine. Uh, the odd angry shot. Nice. Yeah, I really liked this film. Um, it was cool to see. You know a different take on, on, you know, on that war, uh, from, you know, different countries' eyes and stuff. And what I really like about it is you can say it's a macho film, you know, cause it is, but it's not macho in the way where like something like uh, the mercenary or not the, uh, dark of the sun is, um, it's macho and it's like, it's just guys hanging out mm-hmm. and you really see, you know, their life in this camp and, and, their day-to-day stuff with what they're doing and, and it's just a really comfortable, you know, there's some rough stuff in it, but for the most part, just a comfortable, easy hanging out with these guys, kind of macho kind of film. And, um, really, really interesting to see, uh, an Australian film, uh, deal with that, that war. Really, really cool. Oh yeah. No, good call, man. Good call. That's an honorable mention for me. Good Blu-ray too from a synapse. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Number uh, 15 for me is uh, has been covered on the show in the past. It was, I think it was episode, uh, I'm looking it up right now, episode 193. It was uh, Baba Yaga. Baba yeah. Yaga. Sammy wishes he was on so he could say Baba Yaga with me. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish. <laughs> yeah, man. So was, fucking good. It was yeah. so weird. It was another one I watched with Kelly, which was, it was fun, but it's, it's just so weird. I loved it, though. I loved the. Uh, I love the style. I love the editing. I love George Eastman. I love the uh, the rug over the hole. I loved it all. <laughs> you love the Baba. You love the Yaga. I, yes. love, the, yes. I love the dirty fucking coat that Eastman wears. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. a, a joke between me and Kelly for a while now. That coat, man. 
It is it is a grimy shearling. Dude. <laughs> That's Wendy's man. Yeah. yeah. She would sleep yeah. with that shearling if she could. Yeah, we gotta be careful. We can't we can't talk too much shit. She'll come for us. Yeah. <laughs> you might actually. A size eight up your asses, man. <laughs> Very cool. Uh that's it? Yeah, yeah. I mean you guys covered it on a show and I actually I mean I uh I went back and re-listened to it after I watched it and everything, and it's uh, yeah, that's great, man. There's nothing more to be said. We actually talked about it as well on the on Wendy's show, the double page spread. We talked about that and um, Del Morte, Del More, and for the comic book films. So go to the double page spread podcast and check out that episode. It was a really fun episode we did with uh, with Wendy. So um, yeah, uh, as well as us, and I recorded that from a, a hotel breakfast bar, ironically. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my number sixteen is um again a series I kept meaning to get to, and it showed up on instant. And it's not one film. It is 8 times 7 is 56. It is the Up series. Oh, and so good as admirable uh, an achievement and as, as, as epic in scope as anything that has ever been put to film. For those that don't know, um, in, I can't remember, it was 1960 or I think I'll, I'll just say 62 maybe. I could be off. Um, uh, this uh, film crew, either BBC or Channel 4, uh, they went to um, speak to a cross-section of 1964. Uh, 14 British children, because the thinking was, Michael Apted did it, uh, the thinking was, and little known fact, the original director of 7-Up was Canadian. Um, they were going to speak with these children from a wide variety of, of economic backgrounds, um, because in the year 2000, these would be the leaders of the country. Every seven years, it went back and followed those kids, and it was fascinating to see what they had become, what they didn't become, uh, how they were able to sort of inadvertently foretell their own futures. Um, and just as a slice of, of, of interest in, in human life, the series is fascinating. Um, not flashy, but it's it's you really get behind these people. You feel like you get to know them and their ups and downs and hopes and dreams. And uh, I really rep for it. I know Loaf's been digging the Up series too, and it's all on Instant, so you can check them all out there. Awesome. Yeah, no, I have I have a, a little bit of experience with the Up series. Um, I think I've only seen the first two, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's good stuff, good stuff. Um, so we're on to my sixteen. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it is from Jean-Pierre Melville, and I'm gonna murder this name as well. It's 1950s Les Enfants Terribles. Yes. Because I know Will loves that uh, expression to begin with. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's uh, this was really really good. Uh, I mean, aside from it being, it's not a heist movie, but it's still it's so good. Kind of like Army Shadows. It's not something that you would expect uh, from a person like Melville, who was so known for heist movies, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where he does. He the guy knows how to work a camera. Every move that he makes with it is uh, is magical and dynamic. And he still has some extraordinary um, noir esque uh, lighting going on. So you still have that kind of feel to it. Um, there's the it's really uh, incestuous feeling as well as kind of homoerotic. Uh, it combines uh, self conscious uh, art cinema. Uh, of somebody like uh, uh, Cot, uh, I can't fucking pronounce it. The guy that did uh, Beauty and the Beast, Coteau. Coteau, thank you. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Melville's more mainstream approach, and it works really, really well. It's a really, really good movie. Um, if you've shied away from it because it's Melville, but it's not uh, a heist movie, you should definitely rethink it because this thing is absolutely 100% worth seeing. Good, great, great movie. Nice. 
Nice. I've never seen it. Absolutely worth it, man. Good stuff. Um. All right. So my number sixteen, and I'm glad it's on here. It's it's the only my only Shaw Brothers entrance. Um, but I'm glad it's here. It's a kind of a later cycle uh, Shaw, and that is 1983's Bastard Swordsman. Nice. <laughs> um, it is an amalgamation of what the fuckery. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's got uh, people wrapped up in cocoons, and uh, just lasers. It's got that that great synth rock score. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's insane. And you know, it's one of those things where, like, what's another insane like Shaw Brothers movie? Like you know, stuff like Boxer's Omen. It's not as crazy as that, no, but no, no. Um, it's 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 in that vein where it's just crazy, like. You're watching this stuff. And you're like, "How is this? How is this a martial arts film? Like, what happened? Like, it's crazy." <laughs> yeah, but it's it's so fun to watch. Um, all the all the all of the characters they love jumping to conclusions, and they're probably harder on bastards than uh, yeah. any any character on Game of Thrones ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. Like, oh, he's a bastard. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to watch some fun martial arts type stuff. Uh, you know, late cycle Shaw Brothers Bastard Swordsman is pretty damn perfect. Awesome. My uh, my number sixteen is uh, another one that's from the eighties that I have no idea how I didn't see when I was younger. Um, it's a uh, from nineteen eighty eight. It's called World Gone Wild. Oh with, man, this is like Seven Samurai with uh, <sighs> dude. With exactly, it's, it's total <laughs> total Seven Samurai ripoff. Yeah. Uh, Adam Ant's in it. He's like a bad guy. And he runs this like crazy cult, and uh, it's all about like uh, water and everybody's battling for water. And Bruce Dern's got like magic powers, and Bruce Dern is like the Takeshi Shimura role. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I love this thing. I don't know how I never have seen it, but it was, it's such a fun watch. And I mean, it's got a little bit of everything. It has cannibals. It has it's post-apocalyptic. It has uh, Michael Perry. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. It's a great, great movie. Very cool. Um, yeah, that's one that eluded me as a kid, too. I always saw the cover, always saw the cover, always saw the cover. And then I finally got around to it maybe, like, uh, I don't know, two, three years ago. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, my number 17 is a film by one of my favorite filmmakers. And... Uh, I think it's when his films really took a turn towards the sort of ponderous, towards beauty and nature and man's relationship to nature and beauty. And, and it's uh, 2005's uh, Terrence Malick film, The New World. Um, mm. As beautiful a film as there is, um, I think it's, um, it, it, you know, it uh, recounts the uh, Pocahontas story. And um, yeah, it's, it's really great. Uh, Farrell, I think, is fine in the film. Some people have complained about him in the film. I think he's great. I think Bale's great. I think the cast is uniformly great. I think uh, Koryanka Kilcher, who plays Pocahontas, is, is beautiful um, and puts in a really wonderful performance. I can't say enough about the film. If if you love Malik, it's like Malik porn, but if you hate Malik, then you will hate this film because it's everything that you hate about Malik, which to me is insane, but teach their own. Um, hmm. That's the way it goes. So, yeah. If if Malik announced today that he's, his next film is going to be about a guy taking a shit, <laughs> I would fucking be first in line. 
because oh, films about guys doing this shit. Dude, the <laughs> mo- he is he is he'd amazing. Be, he'd be taking a shit, and then there'd be somebody out in a field with wind blowing, and he'd be staring off into the distance while somebody yeah. says something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it would show it would show like this slow kind of glide across the tile on the floor, <laughs> That's right. a bit of a glimmer on the porcelain, and you would see up in the vent like someone stuck like a uh, a one sheet, a one ticket of toilet paper in the vent. It's kind of blowing slant, like sort of dancing. The bot- the, yeah, body hair like- on, the body hair on the floor blowing in the breeze. Yeah, it's it's like dancing around like the plastic bag in American Beauty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might have the, you might have the shower curtain flowing back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. God. I'd be there with you day one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, we're, we're on to me. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Terrence Malick, because <clears throat> I, for my number seventeen, it is 1978's Days of Heaven. Not, uh, man, I love this film so much. It works really well, and this is and this is exactly what you were saying. How it was before he got into that kind of slow moving, kind of natural, ponderous. ponderous yeah. Uh, because this thing captures the essence of the time in less shots and words than a lot of directors would probably do in an entire film. Yeah. Uh, it has that great haunting Morricone score. Um, it doesn't always work 100% for me, but it, it um, like that visual poetry thing that he does, uh, but it, it absolutely does here. Um, I was, the one thing that, that really, really bugged me was it was extremely frustrating how dumb uh, Gear and Adams are uh, or how they act in public after she marries uh, Sam Shepard. Yeah. Um, it just it, that frustrated the living shit out of me. But yeah. so much, so much else of the film uh, works just incredibly. It's gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Yeah, uh, yeah it really is. I, yeah. I mean, just on visuals alone. Even if you don't, even if you don't, if you even if you take the entire story away from it and you looked at this almost like like I don't know, Kayana Scotsy or something, <laughs> it, it just it works so beautifully well. Uh, that for visuals alone, it should be seen by pretty much anybody that uh, that loves film. So and reminds us that Gear was one of the best actors in America from at one point in time. Sure, at one point in time for about a ten year period from about seventy five to eighty five, um, before he kind of got comfortable wearing a suit and and spectacles, playing white collar guys. He was amazing. And I love him in, in uh, I love him in Breathless. He Breathless is is uh, I prefer uh, the Jim McBride Breathless to the original. I love yeah. it. I love it so much. Yes, good stuff. Uh, we on to me or? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, number seventeen is another uh, Criterion entry, um, and much like uh, how like a movie like Warrior or a movie like Senna is uh, might turn people off due to its subject matter, um, this one uh, I I wouldn't think I would be interested in it, but I was, and it's called The Moment of Truth. Uh, bullfighting film. Oh man, I wanted to see this. Yes, it it is so good. It it's 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 kind of a you know it's a rise and fall I guess kind of movie about a young guy who uh, you know kind of comes from nothing, and um, it's in you know and it's in the sixties and in in the when bull you know I guess when I don't know if bullfighting is still a huge thing but this is I guess you know they were like the rock stars in, in there where they lived. And uh, he he becomes uh, like basically the best matador in the world, and and he's loved, and you know things happen where he might not always be that way, and um, 
it's it's an awesome awesome movie uh don't let the bullfighting aspect turn you off because it is a great film awesome 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 uh my number 17 is um i guess uh another uh, another one that kelly kind of turned me on to and i have no idea how i never saw was a uh, night of the comet 1984 no yeah idea. no idea how i've never seen this and i think you guys just covered this on the show recently no we're going to though no okay yeah it's because i've it, never seen it oh wow oh man it's it's great i won't talk too much about it um it's got an amazing mall scene <laughs> yes <laughs> um it's 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 just great man it's overall it's great it's shot great it's wonderful um I loved I loved this era. I think me and Kelly were talking about it after we watched it. This era of LA and how it looks and how it's you know nothing like that anymore. It's just uh, it's a really fun movie. Man. It's really cool. Yeah, and and when you watch it, Will, you're, there's going to be a certain piece of clothing that you're going to want to own <laughs> after you watch it. I can't wait, man. Because I had I, I own the DVD, but I've been sitting on it for five years well, you, now because we were going to cover it on the show. You'll know when you see it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, uh, was that it, Tanner? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, my number 18 is a film I just realized shouldn't be on my list because I just looked at the release date and it's uh, it's it doesn't really count because it's technically... You son of a bitch. Yeah, I'm a motherfucker. Um, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I, I want everyone to see it. Um, and then I'll just sub it out later on or something. And it, for everyone's sake, too, if you guys um, can like forward me or private message me your list or take a picture of your list and send it to me, I'm sure people will want to track down some of these films we've been talking about um, sometime over the next week if you can get those to me but my number 18 <laughs> is the Batman the Dark Knight Returns uh, part 1 and 2 I'm going to look nice. at one film like I said it doesn't technically count um, it's a double cheat because it's two films it's, but it was really just broken up into two parts it's like Kill Bill the whole bloody affair um, if you're not or you know I, I kind of was like well I wouldn't have watched this if I didn't have kids and this really isn't for kids because this is based on the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller but um, it's got Peter Wit. I was gonna say Peter Winter, Peter Weller, <laughs> voicing Batman, and it's an old Batman. I mean, he's, yep. he's like almost sixty years old. Um, the, like the Lion in the Winter. Um, it deals with a lot of very mature themes. But uh, for me, as much as I love, 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 love the Christopher Nolan films, I feel like this is for me my favorite Batman film. Um, looking at what it does, it's brutal. There's a lot of murders. There's a lot of really adult themes in it. But it gave me it rejuvenated my passion for the animated film and i was really floored by what warner is doing with their dc uh, franchises in terms of animated films so everyone needs to check these out they're they're exceptional i'm kind of disappointed in myself for not seeing them being that uh the dark knight returns is one of my favorite uh, graphic novels of all time yeah, i'd be curious to see how you it compares for you because obviously i'm sure some stuff had to get cut down i was always very aware of the series, me a comic fan growing up, but I'd, I'd never actually uh, read it. So, yeah. DC, yeah, they're they're the the movies that they're the animated movies that they're making off that are based off of the the books are are pretty good. Uh, but I think a lot of that, and that the stronger that the source material is, I think really indicates how strong the the movies are going to be. Like Final Frontier was really good, uh, and this was really really good. Superman Unbound was uh, All Star really Superman's good. really good, even though they condensed it. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. All Star Superman was really good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm really interested to see when they start doing more original stories, how they'll stack up. Yeah, I'm hoping they stack up as well as stuff like the higher points of you know stuff like this. But 
but yeah, no, this was really, really good. And, but again, yeah, the, the Frank Miller book is really, really good. So definitely, and that means you, Todd. All righty, kid. Uh, number 18, 2011, directed by David Gelb. This is Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Nice. Uh, it's so well done. Uh, the prep sequences are like these nice, artful little vignettes. You get to watch them. Uh, you know, the, there's that the theme going on of, uh, you know, this legacy of perfection that, you know, you're hoping that these kids can live up to. Uh, I thought the movie was both humbling and inspiring. Uh, I absolutely loved Love, love, love the final revelation in the film. Not going to give it away for people who haven't seen it, but it just works so well uh, for this, you know, beautiful, great, touching documentary uh, about, uh, you know, making fish food. It's great, great, great stuff. And it's about so much more than that, like you said. There, it is. It, it really, really is. It really is. And it's, it's that thing that great documentaries do. They kind of transcend the subject matter and there's universal exactly. themes. Exactly, exactly. That's all I got. I don't want to say more. You need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. My number 18 um, is an, another Criterion uh, release. <laughs> and it's... Um, it's a theme. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Kiss Me Deadly. Nice. From 1955. Now, I watched this not knowing... Like, I had no idea what it was about. I, <laughs> I blind bought it at one of the sales. And... Um, I had watched Repo Man earlier in the year, which I've always loved. And after I watched Repo Man, I was just kind of in the mood for another Criterion. So I just kind of randomly picked Kiss Me Deadly, not knowing that, in my opinion, they share a lot in common. Totally. And I think uh, Repo Man owes a lot to Kiss Me Deadly. I think if you like Repo Man, you'll really dig Kiss Me Deadly. Mm -hmm. It's it's become easily one of my favorite L.A. movies. Yeah. Um. And being from the area, uh, it's it just really hit with me. I loved it, um, and it, it's so weird. Like it's it's one of those movies where I th- it it takes a lot of chances. I'd say for for being like from that era, it's got some weird shit going on, and um, it's really really cool and interesting. And the biggest thing I could say is if you're a fan of Repo Man, I think you'll dig Kiss Me Deadly. Like go check that out. One of the yeah, and- go ahead, Todd. No, no, I was just going to say, and, and you know, Ralph Meeker is my camera is a pretty unlikable guy. He's a pretty yeah, big is. dick. He's a pretty big dick, man. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's one of the most, if not the, if not the most bonkers noir of all time. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It, it took so many weird chances. Like it's yeah. it's a strange one, but it's it's really really interesting and intriguing. Yeah, it fits. I think that this one. I mean, if I was going to double bill this, I would probably double bill it with uh, with Touch of Evil. They have a lot of the nice. same. It's, they yeah. feel a lot <clears throat> similar to me. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I could see so that for sure. Just putting that one out there. Yeah. Awesome. That's it. Um, my number eighteen is not a Criterion release. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we're getting to the sleaze now here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think I just put this on here, honestly, because it's the only new uh, Ruggero film I've seen this year, um, and that's House on the Edge of the Park. Oh, I love this so much. <laughs> you want to talk about fucking sleaze. Sleaze, yeah, pun, the sleaze pun the sleaze. <laughs> With the Radice. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. slimy, it's slimy. It's sleazy. It's. I liked it, though, and it's weird to, you know, like, even want to throw it on this list, but... Uh, I liked it, man. I love David Hess in this. I love this. I don't know. I love the pacing. I love the story. 
of what, what whatever the story is, you know. Oh, the twist. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good, man. It's good. A personal favorite poster of mine too. Me too, man. I love that poster. It's got yeah. the best poster ever. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> looking at it right now, it's amazing. You have you have the poster? No, no I'm looking at it. <laughs> no, I, I just have the DVD. <laughs> I gotta get that yeah. poster, man. That's a beauty. Very cool. Um, awesome. My number nine. Was that it, man? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Cool, cool. Okay, my number nineteen um, is it has a pretty big cast. It's got um, Arlie Ermey. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, Jeff Garland, Timothy Dalton, uh, Michael Keaton, John Ratzenberger, Don Rickles, uh, Joan Cusack, and most importantly, um, the heart of the film, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. And if you don't know what it is, uh, it's uh, it's Toy Story 3. Hmm. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Now. I was wondering where that was going. I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now, before I had kids... I didn't really watch that many uh, kids' films because they're kids' films. They're not for me. I was going to have time to watch them when I had kids. So I was just, you know, just gorging on sleaze and filth and everything. And then I had kids. And um, these films became much more poignant to me as a parent. You could certainly enjoy them um, as much. But for me personally, my, I can only speak of my personal experience watching it. Um, we got the Blu-rays and watching these films and watching them with my kids, it became, these films became as, poor, as important for me as um, the experience of watching them with my kids and seeing how that meant and sort of these things coming full circle because the third one deals with the lead, uh, the boy in it growing up, Andy. And there's some stuff that happens with the toys and man, I'll tell you, I, I had tears in my eyes. There's a moment on a conveyor belt. Jesus and Christ. I'm getting. I'm not even lying to you. I feel like a puss saying this. I got a lump in my throat right now thinking about it. There's a moment with some, with some hand holding in that yeah. moment, and it um, is amazing. I it's it's weird because, I mean, this shows my age, I guess. But I was 11 when the first one came out. Oh wow! Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I loved it then, and so I've kind of, in a way, grown up with them. That's and um, and part three. Oh, dude, I loafed the fuck up. Oh, yeah, man. Um, the, the, the scene you're talking about, I was genuinely, like, like as it was happening, I was, I was like, sad. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. Like, yeah. And, yeah, it's it's rough if, if you really, you know, if, 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 if there's something to connect to, like, with you, with your kids, with me, it's just kind of my age. Up, I grew yeah. up with them. Um, Whatever you can connect to. Yeah, the emotional yeah. anger you can find in the moment. It really works, like, amazingly. And I never would have thought I would have given these films a time of day, but I think it, it, it much can be said for the way, the context in which you view a film and the age and, and, and experience in which you view a film and what that, how that colors your, your experience of the film. So Definitely. Yeah, good stuff. So there you go, number 19. I would have never thought just seven or eight <laughs> years ago that a Toy Story film would be in my top 20, but that's how it goes. Nice. <laughs> Uh, my number 19, I don't want to say a ton about this one, um, because I have a review of it coming up in a couple of weeks for the blog, but it is, uh, 1970 directed by Mr. or Signor Duccio Tessari. It is Death Occurred Last Night. Uh, it's a slow burn, uh, police procedural style Euro crime. It's not, you know, something really action packed. Um, it, it, it's really more about um, 
the society that they're in and, uh, you know, all of that sort of thing. I, I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but um, there's some great stylistic uh, techniques that he uses that you wouldn't expect, uh, especially in this genre. Uh, and it's a, a really nice debate on uh, morality and the value of human life. And even above all of that, uh, the ending is extremely satisfying. So even though it's a, it's a slow burn and not something that most people would be used to going into a Eurocrime movie, it absolutely pays off by the end. So, you know, even if you don't like a lot of the rest of it, which I, I honestly don't know how that could be, uh, the ending really pays it all off. So uh, um, death occurred last night. Get it. How did you am see I, it, if I may ask? On on the YouTubes. Nice. Am I am I crazy, or did that just get announced for Blu-ray? I don't know. I believe it I, got Raro Video. I think is yeah. I think Raro's really good it. work. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, immediately after I watched it, I was like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth worth your time. Awesome. Um. All right, my number nineteen is uh, nineteen eighty one. And it is, uh, I think, yeah, the gents covered it. It is uh, Road Games. Nice. Oh. <laughs> um, I I hadn't seen it. Keech is fucking awesome. And this is another one, much like uh, Tanner's uh, House on the Edge of the Park. If this movie was dog shit, which it's not, but if it was, the poster alone would get it on my list. Yeah. Because I yeah, think it's, it's probably, big, right, it, I think it's in my top five of all time posters. Same here. It, it's, it's so it's good. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I I could just look at the poster and and I'd be happy. But it, you know, luckily the movie's fucking good too. Um, <laughs> and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, I thought she was gonna be in it. Like when I, because I hadn't seen it, and I thought it was gonna be more of a Jamie Lee Curtis vehicle. And uh, it turned out to be more of a, you know, it was it was a Keech movie and. It was awesome. I just loved every minute of it. And that's it. Quick, to the point, easy. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my number nineteen is um, it's on here because it's much like uh, Miami Connection. There's just so much passion behind the guys that are making these movies. Um, and it's from uh, Astron Six. It's Father's Day. Um, yeah. I really like the first couple acts of this movie. The third act, not so much, but. I love the first couple acts of this movie and I, I I love their passion and I love how much they love cinema and how much they love the same kind of stuff that, you know, I'm into and it really shows. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a fun movie. It was fun. Yeah. I, I saw that one in a theater and that was a pretty good experience. Pretty <laughs> yeah. <fun. laughs> yeah. I mean, they seem like they're great guys. They, they love good stuff. They have good taste. You know, they, uh, it's a, it's a good movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is it's it's bizarre it's it's a you know as as much as people maybe want to shit on it or whatever it's it's original you know you got to give it that um and it's it's yeah it's it's sleazy as hell and good stuff i i love it awesome <laughs> very cool so this is number 20 uh number 20 again one that i just hadn't gotten around to and we did it on the show it was picked by a Mancunian gent, James Christopher Lawrence. Uh, it was by a director that um, I like some of his sort of B-sides or lesser-known stuff than I do his more well-known stuff, and it's Mario Bava's Danger Diabolic. <laughs> so, yeah, this film, man, this is beautiful, and again, films that need a Blu-ray release. This film needs yeah. a Blu-ray release. It's probably like in the top five of films, I would say, that need a Blu-ray This, All That Heaven Allows, 
a couple of those we've talked about today. Another Bava movie that needs one is, is Planet of the Vampires. But totally, man. Totally yeah. needs yeah. a blue, man. Yeah. It's insane that it doesn't have a blue. I um, know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really, really insane. But this film's very, very cool. Marissa Mel looking as fine as ever. John Philip Law perfectly cast. And um, as we talked about on the show, because I won't, I won't spend too much time, but but Bava stretching a dollar like no one. He's like plastic man when it comes to stretching that dollar. <laughs> so very cool, man. Deep, deep down. Yeah. Yeah. And plus you got uh, Adolfo Celli in there, too. And um, that British actor, the gap tooth one that Sammy... Oh, uh, Terry Thomas. Terry Thomas, yeah, pulling yeah. the Sammy roll. How did, how, did Sammy, how did Sammy pull that I roll? say! Yeah, man. He's got that, he's got that Michael Strahan gap. That gap. <laughs> Amazing. That's it. Uh, All righty. Again in 1970, again in Italy. Uh, Damiano Damiani's The Most Beautiful Wife. Nice. This is is, uh, Frabonero's in this, right? Uh, No. I'm thinking of The Day of the Hour, I think. Sorry. This is, uh, oh, Lordy, uh, the the girl from uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, Oh, crap. Uh, I can't think of her damn name. Um, No. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's about yeah, it's uh yeah no it's a uh, it's a great ideas uh, about characters. Ornella Muti. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, no, she's uh, she's the wife. Um, it's it's very political. It's not really again. It's like a Euro crime movie. That's not like a Euro crime movie. Uh, it's very political, but it's engaging uh, from a narrative level. Uh, they do a nice job mirroring the two characters against each other, how she's like innocent and he's, you know, uh, pretty much everything that's bad that's going on in society. Uh, it's not what you'd expect at all. Um, but it's also about, you know, uh, people's status in uh, in society and how malleable that can be and how people can turn on you. And it, it, it's a lot more than that. It's it's one of those movies that'll make you think uh, as well as uh, as being entertaining. It's definitely worth it. Uh, Damiano or Damiani is uh, is not for everybody. He's you know kind of because of how he does things, how politically is, how dense. Uh, yeah, they are. He does make really dense movies. Uh, they're not easygoing. They're, you got to kind of pay attention, mm-hmm. and you got to kind of keep up with and make the connections that he's not making for you, That's especially right. if you're not born in Italy and, and understand how things work over there. Yeah. Uh, but this is absolutely 100% worth seeing. Uh, and uh, yeah, it made my top 30. So yeah, uh, that's about it. That's a good one. And I, I was thinking of him in Day of the Owl, which is another Damiani. Mm-hmm. Oh, or uh, wasn't he in uh, How to Kill, how to a, kill judge? a Judge as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is another good one. It's got a solid release on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was Blue Underground? I Did think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. And Confessions of Police Captain is amazing, too. There's so many, man. He's one of my favorites. Uh, all right. My number... We're on 20, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Criterion, Rearing Its Beautiful Head. <laughs> um, and that is A, a Man Escaped, um, which is... There, you know, there's there's crime movies, and then there's prison movies, this is like a, a, you know, there's there's prison and then there's prison uh, breakout movies. Even this is like even a subgenre. It's like a five way down subgenre of the intricacies of prison breaks, because um, it it shows you every minute detail this guy goes into. And sometimes you know, with some movies, it, you know, they show you like the same thing, 
that he does, maybe like four or five different times, they'll show it, him doing it over and over again. And it's like with some movies, it would be like, okay, this is, you know, boring as hell. And it's not like you are so enthralled with what he's doing and how he's doing it and how it's all going to work that I just, I did not get bored once. I could watch him tie rope around things for hours. It was so, so intriguing to me to watch. Um, Great film, great release by Criterion. Nice. Awesome. All right, my number 20 is um, I, uh, I grew up in the Midwest, and I always, I always wanted to go to this place. I was a huge uh, skateboarder in my teens, and I always wanted to go here. And this documentary came out in uh, 2010. It's called Skatopia, 88 Acres of Anarchy. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the place, but it's just like this huge, um, basically, uh, commune that this guy set up, and it's um, 88 acres of anarchy. <laughs> it's, it's just madness. And it's this whole subculture and people go here and visit people go here and live. And they just build these like huge, like, uh, ramps and bowls and, uh, they throw these huge parties and it's just like punk rock and this and that. And, um, it's, it's interesting. I always wanted to go there. But I was really scared, you know, and I never did. And I'm um, watching this. I'm kind of glad I didn't because it's, it's, <sighs> I, I like what he I like what he was doing and, and why why he was doing it, but um, it's kind of the subculture that he built with like these children being involved in these animals and like you know they're all in the middle of nowhere and they're not like you know these kids that are like living on his compound aren't even like getting schooled or you know this and that it's um it's interesting man it's it's a it's definitely worth watching um, I don't know if you guys have seen it no oh, I'd like to see no. it though. I need to see it because, I mean, I, too, was a big skateboarder. And I remember, uh, you know, when I was younger, reading Thrasher and Transworld and uh, seeing articles about it. Um, and I, I I always wanted to go, too. It was, it was like this looked like this amazing utopia for, for, you know, people that like me that just wanted to skate and stuff. Um, yeah. And I, I haven't even heard of this. I, I need to see this now. Oh, yeah. It's it's great, man. Um it came out, like I said, in 2010. I think I watched it on Instant Play. Um, and, yeah, it's – I was into it. And, I, and the guy, I mean, he's got he's got some problems, you know. And I, But you kind of get where he's coming from. And uh, it's, it's it's definitely worth watching, man. His character alone is just – it carries you throughout the entire movie. It's cool. It's it's a good watch. Nice. Awesome. Let's check it out. Uh, number 21 here, moving along at a brisk pace. Uh, we covered on the show, so there's not much to say about it. Got to put one in for the old Great White, uh, the Silent Partner, man. It's, um, yeah, it's very, very cool. I kind of want to say, at least I'm pretty sure I caught it at the beginning of last year. I'm pretty sure it was. I, I was too late to go back now. We'll say I did, and then we covered it on the show, and I'd watched it again and and really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer bang, playing just the, a total fucking scumbag who's on the edge, who's over the edge. Um, it's a good cat and mouse and listen to our show to hear more about what I think about it. Alrighty. Uh, my number 21 is 1938. Michael Curtiz directed the adventures of Robin hood. Um, it's sheer theatricality and old school adventure. Uh, it's, it's one of those movies where every line of dialogue is delivered rather than spoken. Um, uh, Technicolor looks gorgeous uh, and you have uh, Claude Rains and Basil Rathbone as two amazingly unctuous disgusting villains that you love to hate 
uh it's yeah it's one of those movies that you just kind of kick back and you just enjoy for being uh, exactly what it is an old school adventure man they don't make them like this uh, nearly as well as they used to i think and this is one of the one of the standouts of the uh of the genre to my uh for my uh, opinion in my opinion so that's all i got to say about that one <laughs> sweet um, my number 21 is, uh, 1947 Rene Clement film, The Damned. Nice. Um, got a Blu-ray release this year from, uh, Cohen and, uh, this is a really cool movie. It's, it's very, uh, claustrophobic. It's about, a a group of, uh, escaped Nazis on a submarine trying to escape, uh, to, uh, South America during the, uh, the end of, uh, World War II and, um, they're trying to seek refuge and, and survive, and they get news while they're on there that that Hitler's been killed, and they're, you know there's they're losing power and everything, and and so they're trying to escape. But at the same time, on the submarine with them is people that uh, are not Nazis and trying to keep that hidden from them, and it's really stressful and claustrophobic and an awesome awesome watch. Awesome, the the damned. All right, my number 21 um, is the only criterion on my list. <laughs> <laughs> the last number. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's one I'm going to have to revisit a few times. It's Walker, Alex Cox Walker. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I mean, I loved it. I loved what I got out of it. I loved Ed Harris. I love the story. Um, it's weird, man. It's bizarre. Um, but, yeah, I definitely need to revisit it a couple more times to really, really – yeah, exactly what they were going for with that. Yeah, def- definitely. I really like that film. It's it's a it's a strange one for sure, but um, I don't know. I, I really just like Alex Co- Alex Cox's <laughs> aesthetic, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's a it's a tough one to say. But uh, yeah, I, I really dig that movie a lot. But it is it is hard to. Uh, to get behind, I guess it, it's 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 a struggle, I guess for some people, and I can see why. Yeah. Yeah. That means it's me, Mr. Uh, William. Okay, cool, cool. Number twenty-two, Deuce Deuce, is a film from a director that's already been talked about. Actually, Mike's film from two thousand six. It was one that was here at Toronto after dark the year it came out, and I had tickets, and I just scheduling conflict. I didn't go, and it fucking haunted me for years that I never got to see it. I was over at the Young Cool Cats house one night after we saw something on the big screen and did his collection and he's like, you gotta take this, you gotta take this, you gotta take this, you gotta take this. Have you seen this? You gotta see this, you gotta see this. And one of the films he gave me was Takeshi Miike's Big Bang Love Juvenile A, which, uh, which is amazing, man. It's, um, it's, it's uh, a very poetic film. It kind of, it looks at some of the stuff that I think he does really well, which is um, looking at uh, sort of young men and the sort of inner turmoil and some of the things that happen in their lives. It, it takes place in a prison. It almost feels like it, it's very sparsely um, furnished, almost like Puncher's uh, Dogville. Um, and it's kind of this mystery about this um, this woman who, or this, this other prisoner who's been murdered and really beautiful film, a lot of kind of... Uh, you know symbolism and stuff that you see on the screen, and it's it's a really good film. There's, a, I think, a two disker is the one he lent me. It's a two disc special edition that, and I can't remember what film it was I'd seen after this that I was really taken by how much this was influenced by it or vice versa. But yeah, really cool film, and uh, more people need to see it. Cool. Sweet. 
I never even heard of that one. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, that's a good one. And, well, it gets lost in the shuffle with the other 134. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's a cool one, man. Cool. Cool. Nice. Uh, this is going to be fast because it's already been talked about. Uh, so, Kelly, get ready. My number 22 <laughs> is 1983's Bastard Swordsman. Nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, this thing was outstanding. My favorite uh, my favorite Shaw Brothers movie that I caught for the first time this year. Outstanding yeah. stuff. It's, I, I, it's, yeah, no, we've, we've said all there is to say. I mean, it's just it's insane. And these people <laughs> hate bastards. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, I'll give the notice to Tanner that mine's going to be quick as hell, too, because it is uh, Baba Yaga. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and, and uh yeah this was a uh a what the fuck at the highest of the highest order um and yeah just fun as hell we we pretty much dissected it earlier and it's on the show so go check it out who wears the black sun hat better um <laughs> carol baker or um or uh miko kaji miko kaji totally y- yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's no contest. <laughs> I had to get I had to get the the black sun hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still not as good as the goddamn fucking dirty ass coat. No, no, yeah. it's a grimy, <laughs> ratty, surely. <laughs> awesome. All right, number uh, twenty-two for me is um, the Gladiator by Abel Ferrara. I've never seen this. Oh, man, yeah, I. I came across this. It's on VHS. I came across it randomly at some thrift shop in Oakland, and it's one of the weirdest Abel Ferrari movies I've seen. It's That's like, something. yeah, it's like, dude, it's weird. It's like almost a PSA on drunk driving, and it's like this uh, this guy's brother gets killed in a drunk driving accident, and he builds this like gladiator car and goes out and like takes takes vengeance and and the law into his own hand and like goes and like takes out all these like drunk drivers and nancy allen's in it she's like a reporter i it's, gotta it's, see this it's good it's weird it's good though it's, does she have bad hair in it what's that does nancy allen have bad hair in it oh of course but because she's great in it. she had a period man where she could not get a haircut to save her life <laughs> yeah. after like blowout and stuff she was like i'm done with nice hair for two <laughs> i don't is it like maybe i'm i don't know where you stand, but I I fucking like love Nancy I love Allen. I love Nancy Allen. I she's gorgeous her. and like but like yeah. the blowout days. Yeah, and, I, and I, Carrie, yeah. she's such she's such an awful person, but I I love her so love much. Her. Yeah, I think she's beautiful. God, I love yeah. her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but in in RoboCop, not so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, hair's terrible, dude. That yeah. hair's the worst. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's bordering on grandma hair. And, it uh, is. <laughs> yeah, that ain't very. It ain't much to look at. <laughs> no. It's almost worse than a mullet. It is worse than a mullet. At least there's something going on in the back with a mullet. Yeah. Yeah, the party. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack it with Nancy Nancy on here. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. You gotta check this out, the Gladiator. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. Yeah, that sounds good. I have never even heard of that. It's, it was I think it was like made for TV or something and I mean it's it's weird it's good though it's a great watch it's fun interesting 86 I'm just yeah like, what's well, on YouTube in its entirety oh there you go wow Ken Walls in it too Robert Culp oh man it's gonna be fun to watch wait Ken Waller or or is it Ken no, Wall Ken Wall 
And the, the wise guy. If, if so Ken Waller not... was in it, we know where his hands would be. Yeah, so there's no fingering going on in this no. one. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, my film is from 31 years before Tanner's film, On the Other Side of the Planet. Um, it is directed by... I've never said his name out loud, even though I've read it countless times. So here goes uh, Satyaya Jit Ray. Uh, it was oh. the first part of the Apu trilogy, and it's a criterion. Pather Pachali. Uh, I meant to see this forever. It was one of the five films that I was like, I got to see, man. How have I not seen this? And it's a, the story of a, of a poor Bengalese family. And um, it's really beautiful. It's poetic. Um, it, it has sort of that neorealist feel, but there's also stuff that's very sort of fantastical and, and really lyrical and beautiful. And, and I love seeing films in countries that, uh, well, that I may never get to. And at a time that's gone, you see in India that before it's sort of just been... Um, become much more sort of urban sprawl and, and it's it's really beautiful and a little bit mysterious in spots and uh, it, it's a really great film awesome. cool cool uh, my number 23 is Michael Dow's goon which uh, I did not expect to like oh, this at all loved it. Uh, it is funny as all hell um, I thought that uh, Jay Baruchel's act gets old really really fast but other than that other than that, there's really not a lot in here that that, that I didn't like. Uh, it does a nice job of uh, balancing the more serious stuff with the comedy stuff. Um, I think that I, well, I personally would have liked to have seen Schreiber's character a bit yeah, more in it. It was great in the uh, But and, and you know, I'm not listen. I'm not a guy who's into sports movies at all. But stuff like this, uh, Slapshot, Moneyball, Warrior, uh, all of those movies I think are outstanding. Um, you know, just beyond being anything having to do with sports. Uh, and this, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I went into this, I was like, eh, whatever. Oh, everybody's saying this, yeah, they're saying it's funny. Ah, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. But then I sat down and watched it, and I just, I loved it. Really great movie. Yeah, I loved that movie. It was a great surprise. Yeah, yeah, no, it really was surprising. And that was, that was I think that I like that about it more than anything else, is that I was just completely taken by surprise with it. Totally. And what are the odds? Like, how weird is it that Sean William Scott abandoned Kevin Smith's hockey movie to go make another hockey movie? Like, well, he, he did the smart thing. He made the hockey movie with the Canadian, right? Yeah, but it's just <laughs> it's just weird. Like, it's weird first of all to be cast in a hockey movie nowadays. Yeah. But then <laughs> it's pretty to, esoteric to leave one to go to another. It's just strange. And I think it showed that that Scott isn't was one note as we. I like Scott to be honest. And I feel like he's kind of gotten uh, a bad rap, partially by his own fault, but I think it showed he's got a little more range than people were willing to give him credit for. I think, he's, yeah, he's a little more charismatic than I initially gave him credit for being. I never, I, I'll be honest, the American Pie movies, I, I think I saw the first one, and after that I was like, yeah, fuck this. Um, but, yeah, he just, he doesn't, you wouldn't expect something like this out of him. But he does have a lot more, a lot more range than people uh, give him credit for having. I wish the film plumbed more of the the kind of heartfelt depths. For it's odd. I ironically, like all my American friends, like you guys, love the film more than I did. I feel like there's some great stuff in it. Schreiber's great in it, and I think Scott's great in it. I wish they had to plumb the depths more, and it had been a little more serious. Because I think there was a really great serious film in there too. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there's there definitely is. Um, but there's some funny stuff too. I got to give give it up. I don't know. I thought I personally thought that they did a pretty good job of balancing it. No, they did. They did. I think maybe it's it's more me imposing 
what I wanted. Well, I think I think that so I think when you when, I, I think that you know when you when you see I mean how many serious hockey movies are there aside from what was it a uh, miracle or what, what Young Blood? Oh yeah, Young Blood. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> good God. Anna Reeves in that, yo. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. Yeah, they're usually they're usually played more for laughs because yeah. you know because hockey is such a violent contact sport. You got a lot of of of, uh, of uh, what you call it, leeway there for for slapstick and all that kind of shit. And guys love to watch ugly guys hitting each other. Yeah, that's the appeal of the Three Stooges. Guys love to watch ugly guys beat the shit out of each other, and that's what you know the the appeal of hockey and hockey movies is. So that's what people play up to. Uh, so they don't want to go as serious with it, I think, is the reason why they didn't. And plus, Jay Baruchel is not really known for, for being all that, uh, all that serious. He was the writer, correct? If I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess he just wanted to play for play to his uh, his strengths more than anything else. Yeah. That would be my thinking, at any rate. I mean, no, I, I would I, agree with that. That's all I got on Goon, unless anybody else has anything else about. It. I think uh, Kelly's dropped right now, so if you want to keep going, we'll come back to Kelly. Totally. Okay. Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, my number 23 is um, The Spell from 1977, the horrible made-for-TV <laughs> Carrie remake kind of a story. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. I've never heard of that one. No? Oh. It's, basically, it's basically Carrie, but um, the girl's overweight as well. Oh Lord! Yeah, and no, it's it's great. Honestly, it's great. There's some. It's weird. It's got some weird style. It's weird pacing. Um, but I really loved it. I loved the editing. I loved. Uh, ah, there's some good twists in there. It's good, man. It's good. You said it was made for. You said it was made for TV. I'm pretty sure it was made for TV. Yeah, back in 1977. Okay. Is there anybody in it that we know? Uh, Lee Grant is it? Oh, you know what? Helen Hunt's in it, and she's like 12. Oh boy! <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those Carrie ripoffs, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's good though, man. It's more telekinesis in there. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh. We got we got uh, King Kelly back. Kelly, feel like yeah. an asshole. Sorry. It's all good, dude. <laughs> uh, you're at twenty three. We just you did the flip flop, so I'll, you're next. Yeah, uh, twenty three was a Samuel Fuller uh, film from nineteen fifty called The Baron of Arizona. Nice. Cool. Never seen um, this. It was my first right. film of the year uh, last year. Oh wow! And um, it w- it's Vincent Price uh, being you know not horror Vincent Price. Yep. Um, and it's it's just got a really cool premise about a guy who basically uh, owns Arizona um, within the you know the country, and it's a it's it's a really cool kind of twisty. Uh, you know how the fuck is this guy doing this kind of movie? Yeah, yeah, and they, and he actually you actually sit there and you're watching it and you're like, I can't believe this is actually happening, and then he pulls it off. Yeah, like it's really weird, but it's it's really cool and intriguing, and it's cool to see Vincent Price and something else, you know, other than uh, hanging out with Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my number twenty four is one we reviewed on the show. I won't spend too much time on it. Um, it is Underground, which is again sort of a European fairy tale mm-hmm. set in wartime. Features two incredible lead performances. Our review was only a few weeks ago, um, so you can go back there and check it out uh, for that. And that's another one that um, needs a, I think, a wider release over here. 
All righty. Uh, my number 24, 1998, from Mr. Takashi Miike, is The Bird People in China. Nice. Uh, yeah, this thing this thing was so good. Uh, it's so beautiful to look at. The characters are great. I mean, the, to pair these two guys up and have them playing off each other and have them both come into the same uh, point in the movie is just great. It, it has that great, that, that thing that, that I think Asian people or Asian cinema does really well is that kind of like deadpan, you know, just jump to violence sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where somebody would just be sitting there and they'll be staring at somebody dumbfounded and then just attack them. Knock in the head or something. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And this, this movie has that in spades. Um, you know, the thing about this movie that I think I like the most is that it, it goes from being one thing where you're thinking it's going to be, you know, it's all hopeful and this, that, and the other thing. And then it just turns it all. And, it, it, you know, he, he twists it. He's not afraid to twist it. And he does it in a way that he still makes it feel organic. Um, it's, uh, I, I think this is one of those films where there's either, there's either too much going on for me to be able to, to actually sum it up or it just completely went over my head. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you love I love you know being there the whole the whole way through. Uh, the movie works really really well. It, it is a bit oddball, uh, and it is it's definitely not for everybody because you know there's not you know guns and shit blowing up and everything. So, um, but it, it's it's definitely worth the, worth your time if you like me get all. Uh, so that's uh, that's about what I could say about the bird people of China. In China. Awesome. So. Mr. Kelly. Uh, hold on. My cat is, like, in my face. Mad Max. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. My number 24 is uh, from 2006, but I don't think many, a lot of people probably didn't see it until recently, and that is All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a good one. Now, I could see where people would see it now and be like, what's the big deal? But considering this movie was, like, eight years ago... Which is hard to believe. Yeah. Um, I think eight years ago, people would have been like, "Wow, that, that was really fucking good." I think you know, it's it sucks that it took so long to come out because I think a lot of people probably are jaded on it now. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, it was really cool. You know, I thought there was a pretty cool twist that I honestly didn't see coming. Nor so, did I. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a, you know, nothing crazy uh, new, but you know, a, a fun little entry into the uh, into that genre. Um, Good flick. See it if you can. Yeah, I just watched that and I, I loved it. Um, I like it more than his other, you know, Warm Bodies and Fifty Fifty. I loved it. I was pissed because I finally broke down and bought the UK Blue, and then hey, there's the US Blue. Of course, artist. of course. Yeah. <laughs> After eight years, here it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should have bought it seven years ago. They would have released it sooner, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got. I got to admit, I'm one of the people that was kind of middling on this one. I really just didn't. Didn't get work. all that much out of it, and yeah, I, I didn't think it was. I, personally, I didn't think the the twist was all that much of a surprise. I so mean, apparently, not all the boys love Mandy. <laughs> well, Mandy herself—that's one thing. But the uh, the movie, eh, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. But it just didn't. didn't. I don't know. It just didn't move me in any. Well, you know, I didn't think it was anything special. Just in the jorts. It only moved you in the jorts. Well, yeah. they got a little tighter. Yeah. <laughs> the terry cloth stretched. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
All right, my number uh, 24 is um, The Loved Ones from 2009 in Australia. I love this, and um, if you want to see it, I'm sure uh, Awesome Fabian has a copy you can probably get from him. (laughs) He's got like 25 copies. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. No, it was a a fun watch. It was a good watch. Uh, Go for it. What? I was going to say, the more amazing part is he didn't realize he bought that many. I know. <laughs> I wonder if he looked at them and, and sort of like rubbed his brow and went, not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, a fun shit. one. I, I, yeah. uh, I, I can see that at TIFF uh, with like the, the audience there with the, the cast and stuff. And, uh, and it was a fun one. We actually reviewed that way, way back with Rick. That was one of the few films I've seen in my life with, with Sammy and I together. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was, and Vish was there, and it was that, uh, of course, that song. That one, I can I'm picture that one being really, really fun with uh, with an audience. It was. Totally. <laughs> yeah, really, really was one that everyone was really into. Because you got the perfect tone for a crowd, right? With the right crowd. Oh, yeah. Uh, number 25. Now it's time for my made for TV movie and <laughs> that I covered on The Midnight Ride. Yeah. It was programmed yeah. by my great pumpkin, Michael Koopmans. It is the mi- the midnight hour. <laughs> this film is on daily motion in two parts. I love it with all my heart. It is the perfect film to get you in the mood for Halloween. It's fun. It's got some scary stuff, some great special effects, um, some nice sort of ghosty kind of mythology. Um, Sherry Belafonte is beautiful in it. LeVar Burton is LeVar Burton in it. Peter Dumbledore's. It's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 a lot of fun, man. I really really love it. I wish it would get like a nice. Pro- I think it ought to release in Europe, but it needs a real proper release here. But you can catch on if you Google the Midnight Hour 1985 Part One and Part Two are on Daily Motion. Don't do the YouTube version because the one that they say is in HD. Someone laid like um, some speed metal soundtrack over the whole film. So <laughs> yeah. I saw uh, I w- and I would say watch it on Daily Motion because I was at Amoeba Records uh, at some point and they have a glass case where they keep their, you know, whatever, like $100 out of print DVDs. And uh, they had a VHS of this for like 80 bucks. Ugh, wow. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, go to go to Daily Motion. Watch it there. Yes. Cool. Uh, my number 25 <clears throat> from 2005. My ref and film for the uh, top 30 is going to be Pusher 3. Very good. Yeah. Good old, good old Milo. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is rocking in this one. Uh, he's so great to watch. Um, you know, it, this, this movie, it takes a bit of a strong stomach, uh, but the characters are, are fascinating. And it's like we were saying before about Scorsese. You know, you, don't, I mean, you might not necessarily like these guys, but you can't help going along with them. They do such a good job of... Uh, of portraying these these people um his daughter's a right ass wipe uh i will say that Uh, but but stuff like i mean look at look at the scene with the teen hooker you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah that's so intense and you're like what the fuck is going to happen and then later on of course there's that other scene that of course everybody talks about and then you have you have uh what uh i'm going to try and pronounce his name but i'm going to murder it jlatko bjorik oh yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, his voice is just amazing. Yeah, it's like crawling across gravel, broken glass, and <laughs> fire, um, and it's all sitting there. It's all laying there in his throat. So yeah, I, but, I saw I saw Bronson and then Valhalla Rising and Drive all before I saw like any other stuff from Reffin. 
And when I, after I, I had seen those three and then I saw Drive, I had never even heard of Pusher or the Pusher series. And I said, well, how good? I mean, these can't be as good as, as, his, as his stuff, right? Holy yeah. shit. En- enter Mads Mikkelsen. And, oh, man. Dude, I was just like, Pusher's the fucking king. Like, yeah. These movies are yeah, awesome. no, it, It's a great, great trilogy. It, it really, is a really trilogy. <laughs> we I actually covered people... them on the show, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've gone back and listened. Now. <laughs> I know uh, I know that people have been repping for the, uh, the British remake of oh. Pusher. I haven't seen it myself, but... I think even Aaron was, which I was like, okay, Aaron was like, no, listen, you, you should watch it. It's it's worth your time. So that was the only thing that kind of made me think, okay, maybe I will. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not bad. Um, I really like the score, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's got uh, you know Milo's the same dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> they they just they just use the same guy. It's just a little too. Um, I feel like it, it moved too quick. Which is fine. I mean, for a movie like that, it doesn't really need a lot of, um, you know, time. But it, it just, uh, I just think it was a little shoved out there a little too quickly. But I don't know. I feel like um, the English, uh, specifically the, the Manchester community, really were crying out to have Danny Dyer in the lead role. <laughs> Probably a little oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's Britain's, what is it, Britain's answer to whatever? I don't know. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Britain's favorite son. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tanner. Oh, Kelly. Oh, Kelly. Sorry. oh yeah. sorry. I should yeah. say sorry, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. son. Uh, okay, so uh, this one, yeah, this one's gonna be quick. We already talked about it. Uh, number twenty-five is uh, 1969's uh, *Medium Cool* by Hasbro oh, Wexler. Um, really dug this film, and uh, yeah. We talked about earlier. It's awesome. Go check it out from Criterion. Cool. All right. My uh, number 25 is a documentary from 2011 called Meet the Falcons. It's a couple of sisters in Red Light District. They're twin sisters, and they've been working in the Red Light District for like 40 years or something, and one's kind of retired, and one's still doing Mm -hmm. it. It's just a, a very interesting character study. It's weird. It's good, though. It's on instant. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I watched it. I liked it. Have you guys seen it? I've been meaning to. It's been on my queue forever. It's it's interesting, man, and their relationship's awesome. Like they're just they're they're really fun to watch. I, I like it a lot. Have you seen? Um, have you seen? Um, br- 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 what's it called? Ah, uh, Coraline. Excuse me. Have you seen Coraline? No. Because I feel like have any of you guys seen Coraline? No. Oh yeah. I feel I, like I, I, the two sisters in that feel like. The cartoon version of these two oh, sisters. Are you talking about like Coraline, like the the, the kids film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen the that. Game. I love that. Yeah. You know those two sisters, like the old big tit kind of. <laughs> no, totally. It's dead on. It's totally it. Yeah, dead on. Cool, man. I got to see that. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's good. Cool. Uh, next film for me, number twenty-six is. Is it my only noir? No, it's not my only noir, but it's a noir that I caught. I really dug it, man. I thought it was really cool. Directed by Phil Carlson. Starring a non-mustachioed Lee Van Cleef, uh, oh. Jack Elam. It's Kansas City Confidential. Nice. And uh, it's really cool, man. It's It's got some twists and turns and, and some great locales. And I, I really dug it, man. And it's it was on instant. I don't know if it still is. But, uh, I love the tagline. Exploding like a gun in your face. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, I man. Have, yeah, it's a good I haven't one. heard of that one. Sounds good. Yeah, it's cool, man. Oh, nice, nice. 
Uh, no, it's not still on instant. Uh, my number 26 is another William Friedkin movie from 2006. It's Bug. Nice. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with this. The performance. The Sandman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is so good in this. It, it's uh, that besides the strong performances from pretty much everybody, uh, it has that really great sound design going on. <sighs> Um, itching my head just thinking about it. Yeah, it's a, oh. fuck. Um, it, uh, Friedkin does a, a really great job of making it not feel like a play. Mm. He really uses the space, you know, r- remarkably well, almost as well as like Lumet with the Twelve Angry Men, almost. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's really good. It's, it's a, it's a small movie. It's, uh, and it just works its way up to a lather, and then once it gets there, man, it explodes, and it's outstanding. I like uh, that. Works its way up to a lather and it explodes. <laughs> wow! Well, I figured with all, the, with all the dirty sex talk going on today, you know, gun in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, my number twenty-six is Bug. I really was impressed with it, and that's yeah, like I said, Friedkin's been having a resurgence, and this and Killer Joe are definitely two amazing examples of a, a man who still is a master of his craft, one hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, all right, my number 26 is 1961. Uh, got a Blu-ray release from Kino called Night Tide. Um, and it's got a, uh, a pre-insane Dennis Hopper um, uh, in a role where he falls in love with a mermaid. And, uh, well, may or may not be a mermaid. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just... It's nothing amazing. It's got some pretty cool camera work, um, you know, as far as 61's concerned. Um, but, yeah, it's more just for seeing Hopper pretty young, uh, pre-crazy. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a fun little, I guess, pseudo-horror movie. It's not horror per se, but it's it's good. Uh, give, it, give it a watch if you're a Hopper fan. Nice. I've always circled around that one and never got around to it. I guess I should. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a, it's a good, easy watch. Fun, fun. Cool. Uh, my number 26 is another Australian film, uh, Dead End Driving from 1986. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I love this that's thing. A, that's Trenchard, right? Yeah, BTS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, another one that I'm surprised I've never seen. I loved it, man. It had all the elements of, uh, of movies that you know I just dig. and uh, it, was, it was an interesting story. It was cool, man. It was good. Yeah, that, that's a fun one for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, October was a great month. I had my month programmed by everyone. Uh, if you had Tanner in the mix for the the ride next next year to program one of the Halloween episodes, um, it was Mad Love, nineteen thirty five. Really cool film. Uh, Carl Frond, Peter Lorre, uh, Colin Clive, really fantastic. So ahead of its time. It influenced Citizen Kane, which is like the gold standard for most people. So I think that. Mm-hmm. Kind of is testament to uh, what it's where it's at. Um, really, really wonderful film, and I reviewed it so you can hear more about it. It's only sixty-eight minutes long, so there you go. Awesome. Yep. Uh, my twenty-seven is from two thousand and ten. It is the silence. Oh man, that's on instant. Uh, you know. I know. I've been circling yeah. that one. You guys need to get on that because this is outstanding uh great great crime film uh it does a, a 
marvelous job exploring all of the the characters' lives. Uh, it's very much about loneliness and grief. Um, it, it, it's I don't want to say a whole lot because to say you know because it, it's it it doesn't really hinge on surprises or twists or anything, but it still kind of does. Uh, and there's a really great cop who's like uh, who's just come back. I, 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 if I'm remembering right, he was an alcoholic and or his wife. Uh, had just passed away, so he's he's on edge and he's kind of, you know, going downhill fast, and he's trying to solve the, the case. And uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to say much. All I'm going to say is, absolutely, if you like uh, crime movies, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely make a couple hours. You know, carve them out, sit down, watch the silence. Absolutely, on 100% worth it. Awesome, Very cool. That's got a beautiful poster too. That yeah, that, that's car. what really that's what really drew me to it originally was that poster. Um, I, I, actually, one thing uh, just it, it's just popped into my head. It's it's kind of sort of a little bit reminiscent. Like if if you like, you, I missed that. It was reminiscent. I, I was just gonna say if you liked uh, Memories of Murder. Oh, I love Memories of Murder. Uh, then this this is along that line of crime film. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you know if that if that helps get more people to watch it. Then there, so much the better. Nice. Awesome, Master Kelly. Uh, number twenty-seven is a two thousand seven film um, from one Mister Sidney Lumet, and it is Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Really oh, good. Yeah. Talk about a shit show, man. That thing gets worse <laughs> as it goes for all. Todd, you love characters fucking just things getting awful quickly. That's the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it it was just it's it's a you know a master director doing his thing so um if you haven't seen it check it out sid lumet twisty turny uh and the shan man yeah the shan man's in it too and marissa tomei yeah and marissa tomei's uh caboose which is quite nice yeah yeah i just watched in seinfeld earlier today nice (laughs) (laughs) manor yeah My number uh, 27 is uh, another uh, William Fredkin movie. It's older, 1987. It's uh, Rampage. I've never seen it. No. Yeah, no, I've always missed that one myself. Oh, it's it's good. It's it's a weird um, serial killer. You know, it's based on some true stuff. It's a serial killer that's drinking blood, and um, it's got a great cast. It's got this uh, what's her name, uh, Deborah Van Falkenberg, the the chick. Yeah, yeah, she's always like a crazy mom or something. Um, it's a really good movie though. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah, isn't that kind? Of, isn't that kind of like split in two almost? That movie, if I'm uh, I remember, I remember, I remember reading about it, and it was kind of like the first part of it is like this, the second part of it is like that. You know um, what I mean? Like, yeah, kind. I mean, kind of, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm, try, I'm trying to play. I'm trying to play coy. I don't want to give anything away for anybody that hasn't, you know, heard or seen anything about it but it kind of i mean i i suppose yeah and i know there's a few different versions and i almost want to say this was actually um made for like tv as well like hbo or something back in the day i'm not sure um i definitely don't think it was like theatrical okay interesting i'm freaking i haven't seen oh man it's 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 worth it man it's it's got some like Satanism in there. It's got some blood drinking. It's got some serial killers. It's good. Blood drinking it's good. is such a gross notion. Like, <laughs> you know, some people suck their blood when they get a cup. I don't want any part of sucking my blood. That tastes like shit. 
A handful of pennies, man. A handful. I'm not down with a handful of pennies, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I'll move on from there. The less yeah, no. better. Uh, I mean, I'll just say this. I got my Red Wings, so. Well, I can tell you, as UB40 once said, red, red wine doesn't make me feel so fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, my next film, oddly, is the only documentary on my list. It popped up on Instant, or I realized that it was on Instant some time ago. Great friend of the show, great all-around guy. It's actually house hunting as we speak. Not probably literally as we speak, but over the course of time. That's Rufus of Cine Awesome. Oh, yeah. And he recommended uh, Paris is Burning to me, which is a documentary that chronicles the the gay and transgendered community, African-American and Latino communities in New York City in the mid-80s right up to the early 90s. And it's a fascinating documentary into a world that I'll never obviously be a part of. Um, and it's it's really, really something to watch. Um, if you don't have Netflix, it's on YouTube in its entirety. Um, it's, it's, um, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I, you know, all five of the principals in it are all dead now, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's sad to see where we were at as a culture, and unfortunately, where we're, we're not, thankfully, not as bad at. But where it's kind of like, man, like you know. But but to see these people thriving in, in spite of that, and and to have a, a community where they can can do their thing, it was very cool. So yeah, it was a really documentary. Paris is burning. Okay. Um, mine is another one from Japan. It is 1978, directed by Yoshitaro Nomura. It is The Demon. And it is just about a gut punch of a movie as you can ever come across. Um, it's the, the, the women in this are nuts. The kids are just items. Um, it's disturbing on so many levels. It's, but at the same time, the movie itself is, is beautifully done. It's, you know, some great cinematography. It's, you know, very well put together, but man, you want these people dead in the worst fucking way by the time this movie's over. Uh, Yeah, no, if you, if you really want to, if you really got some rage issues that you need to take out, uh, and you want to do it through a movie? Watch the demon. It's it, this is the movie that was made for that. Uh, there's there's a there's uh, it's yeah, it's absolutely worth seeing. But it's one of those movies where you're just like, man, it it'll piss you right off because you can't you cannot believe that anybody would actually do this. But at the same time, he, the, he does a really good job of making it believable. So I mean that's that's a hell of a tightrope to walk. So. Yeah, no. If you haven't seen it, see it. But it's definitely not an easy watch at all. Yeah, I've been meaning to see that for some time. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah, no. I, I definitely want to hear what you what you uh, what you think about it. Man. Yeah, no, totally, man. Uh, all right. So my number twenty-eight is uh, Robert Duvall starring a nineteen seventy-three film called Badge Three Seven Three. Nice. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a '70s you know cop thriller, which that'll always get me to watch. Pretty much at the drop of a dime, in drop of a hat, just I'll watch that. Um, but the fact that it has Robert Duvall made it even better. And then it's just got this you know cool story where he's kind of not even a cop anymore because he gets uh, uh, you know he gets it taken away from him due to something that happens, and he's kind of a vigilante in a way. Um, but still has his connections to uh, to the cops and to the underworld and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of French connection-y and, and stuff like that. So uh, gritty 70s cop films, you like those? And um, 
I would say Badge 373 is up your alley. Cool. Nice. My uh, my number 28 is uh, Navajo Joe from 1966. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah Burt Reynolds, man. Yeah. <laughs> was that one Corbucci or? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Sergio Corbucci. It's, uh, it was good, man. I'm, I've been slowly trying to like watch as much um, as spaghetti westerns and stuff as I possibly can. I mean, I, I'm kind of late on that. And uh, I remember this getting a lot of talk uh, after Django. Corbucci's the fucking man. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it was fun. It's good. Uh, Burt Reynolds is so cool in this. Yeah, yeah Burt Reynolds. Is pretty... Burt's always cool. Yeah. <laughs> Except when he's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Tanner, I would assume you've seen The Great Silence. Yes. The greatest. Yes. The greatest. That is, yeah, it's in my top ten all time. I love it. Uh, cool. So it's back to me, and it's back to, not back to, it's 29. Uh, it's a film I probably wouldn't have ever seen, uh, but, um, two dear friends, um, who are from a late, great podcast called The Milk Creeps, uh, oh. sort of, I think they stumbled into it, sort of, uh, trying to perpetuate the whole Chola and Chola <laughs> image <laughs> that they were going for, and they programmed Mi Vida Loca, Alison Inner's film from 1993 for their show. And I listened yes. to the review and I thought, man, this sounds really great. And uh, I checked it out and I loved, loved Mi Vida Loca. I thought it was a really great film. Um, I don't I don't want people to be put off by the fact that it's about a bunch of young women and think, wow, this is going to be shit. It's, good films are good films and, and universal themes are universal themes. And I really love this film. And uh, maybe we want to check out more Anders stuff. Um, uh, have have, have any, either, anyone else here seen this film? Yeah, I love that. I love that film. Yeah, it's really good, man. Um, that wow. where they live, that area of where they live, Michael is pretty Park. much where I grew up. Oh, for real? <laughs> oh, see. Yeah, it, it's just very. It, well, I, I'm saying not that exact area, but it was just like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I really, when I can really relate to something like that, I kind of just gravitate towards it. Did you feel like it was pretty on the nose as far as what it was going for, or did it seem a bit like was it fairly accurate? Yeah, I mean, you would think. You know, when you see stuff like that, that it's like over the top until you like uh, see it and, and like know people that are those people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this <laughs> this is what it's like. It's a really good film, man. I really it really is. It, man. I hope more people <laughs> see it. Cool. All righty. Uh, brings it over to me. This is 1987 from Indonesia. Akil Anwari's Virgins from Hell. Yes. Love it. This thing, <laughs> this thing is twisted and insane and mostly incompetent, and it's such a wild, <laughs> wild, wild fucking ride that none of that matters. Um, and it, it's got this again. It's got that kind of po-faced, you know, kind of we're doing really insane shit, but they do it like it's you know, ro- falling off a log, waking up in the morning, and going to the bathroom it's you know it's so insane you have to see it they have the um you know the the fashions that most of the women wear look like they came off of uh like wilma flintstone's uh clothes rack Uh, just they torture these women like they put one on a spit and roaster and then i think like a scene later she's okay um (laughs) it's just that there's that that fucking awesome motorcycle jump uh where she gets kind of um she gets kind of cock-blocked with a missile. Um, 
It just it's it, you gotta see Virgins from Hell. You have to. One of the greatest it's, titles in the history of cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That if anything, if anything you just said sold me on it. It was the word incompetent because <laughs> <laughs> because usually when a film when somebody says that it's something I really like. So yeah, no, it's just it's insanity, absolutely <laughs> insanity. Yeah. And, and there's you, an, won't, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And it's got a great uh, Mondo Macabro disc. Yeah, right? two disker man. Is that oh, a two disker? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, usually shit they put out is good. So yeah, it's got a good documentary <laughs> yeah. on Indonesian film. So nice. they haven't been do- they haven't been doing a lot. I don't think lately. Not lately, sadly. Unfortunately, I just bought yeah. one. I just bought one recently called Born of Fire, which was uh, Thai. No. No, no, um, but it is insanity. <laughs> it's, it's got a it's got a guy that shoots fire out of his eyes and um, that's so nice. right there. You had yeah. me it shoots fire out of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well better than shoots fire out of his you know, cock or something. Yeah. Like uh <laughs> like that Hungarian Georgie Palfi film, uh, uh what's it called? I don't know where we're going. The Georgie Palfi film where the guy shoots fucking flames out of his cock. I know Vishnu knows what it is. So Jesus. Uh, well Ghost Rider does that too. So. It's Hungarian. They have like, a pie eating contest. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't. <laughs> All right, we're on me, right? Yeah, man. Um, so number twenty nine is a 1985 movie called "Don't Mess with My Sister," <laughs> and the only reason it's really on here is the the movie ain't that great, um, but it's from the director of "I Spit on Your Grave," uh, Mir Zarchi. Oh yeah, and it's the only other film he ever did after "I Spit on Your Grave," <laughs> which. I don't know. That's just just that reason alone. I kind of wanted to put it on here just because, like, I Spit in Your Grave is such a iconic, you know, film to me that uh, if he only did one other movie and it's this one, you know, I've got to represent it somewhere. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, but it's called Doe's Mess with My Sister. It's about a guy who works in a fucking junkyard and they mess with his sister. So, <laughs> and after he told them not to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing amazing, but it's it's uh, it's cheesy and fun as hell. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, my number uh, twenty nine. We're twenty nine, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. My number twenty nine is um another movie. Uh, Kelly turned the group on a little bit a while ago. It's called uh, Sin Mania, two thousand and two. Oh. Documentary about people that love movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> crazy. I missed that talk. Oh no! Yeah, it's um, I think it's on uh, Vimeo, and it's entirely yeah, it's on it's oh, on Vimeo, nice. yeah. And it's um, man, these people love movies, and <laughs> they're all so interesting. Some of them are more interesting than others, but uh, it's a great movie uh, about you know they're all live in New York, and they all have everything planned out around movies. I mean, they don't even work; they're all you know disability. They're all on unemployment. Oh. I think I saw that one. Is that is that the, the is the lady in there? She has like her house looks like a like almost yes. like a hoarder's joint. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. She 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 busts out her fucking collection of collector cups. Yeah. 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 No, I've seen that. Yeah, that's that's taking it to the the extreme. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Whoa! <laughs> 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 what the hell was that? Was amazing. <laughs> Are you there, Kelly? <laughs> it's like he's Cal? stuck in some digital molasses or something. He's in the time loop. Yeah. These people based their lives around schedule. 
examples of, of movies. Like, say greetings, say greetings, me. Professor Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, are you there, man? You're muffled and garbled. Breaking up like crazy. I don't know. Hopefully it'll it'll fix itself. Yeah. Um. That was Tanner, so that means it's me. Yes. Number thirty is another um, animated film. My third on the list. It's Canadian. I also did it around Halloween. It was also programmed by my great pumpkin, Michael Koopmans. <laughs> it is Witches Night Out. <laughs> it's a cool little film, man. It's on. Uh, it's about I don't know, forty minutes long, maybe. Uh, it seems like it aired on Disney. Thirty minutes long. It aired on Disney um, a lot, I guess, from the eighties and nineties, from what I've looked into. And it's got Catherine O'Hara and Gilda Radner doing the voice work. Um, it is done in that animated style that was very popular in the seventies. After a lot of people started doing acid, and it's kind of very melty, blobby, um, kind of melding into things and. It's really cool, man. It's about a witch who she gets kind of forgotten, and um, the whole thing of Halloween comes, and she's having a party at her house, and turns the kids into monsters so they can go for Halloween. It's you got to see it. It's uh, it's thirty minutes long. I loved it. Um, my kids really dug it. I dug it more than them, I think. But um, <laughs> she's kind of upset the witches that no one really takes Halloween seriously. So. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's cool. I, I dug it, and uh, yay for for like retro Halloween shit, man. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, my number thirty is a spoof from two thousand and one. It is Lethal Force. <laughs> uh, this thing was amazing. Uh, it it does what good spoofs do, which is that it it is as much what it's sending up as it is a send up of that. You know what I mean? Uh, it is its own thing as well as being, you know, uh, spoofing on that sort of genre. Uh, there's not a lot of winking at the audience, which I really appreciate. Uh, the the, uh, the fight scenes were surprisingly good. Uh, and it's just, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, a great little fun action comedy. Uh, and 100% uh, everybody should be seeing it. So I'm sure Mr. Uh, Mr. Justin and uh, Mr. Sammy will be... Loving that endorsement, but nice. uh, yeah, no, definitely see lethal, uh, lethal force. Good stuff. Good stuff. Is Kelly with My us? Turn? Yeah. Yes. I heard everybody laughing, but I don't know what happened. So you, you'll hear it in the episode, man. Your voice was all garbled and it was. <laughs> Interesting. All right. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I was trying to talk to you guys and nobody was responding. I was like, "What's going on?" They're like these motherfuckers. What's <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, my list uh, ending with a fucking uh, limp dick here, um, <laughs> as, is, as, uh, all, as we always do. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is uh, from Dust Till Dawn Three, The Hangman's Daughter. Wow, nice. I heard some good things about this. Okay, like here's it. the thing. Here's the thing, dude. Like. I love From Dust Till Dawn, the original. Me too. Mm-hmm. And then I see that they have this three-pack of Blu-rays out that has all three movies. So I buy that. I watch the second one. The second one is dog shit. <laughs> and then uh-huh. I was just like, well, you know what? I don't want to fucking waste my money. I'm watching the third one. Yeah. The third one is awesome, dude. It, it, like, it takes it back to, to the original you know, more. And then the way it ends, like, 
it builds on the mythology of this like yeah. story. And I was just like, holy shit, like they could do a whole nother like series of movies now. Like it's really cool the, what they did with part three. Like if you watch two and hate it, give part three a chance because it's really good. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I hated two and th- but three is so good. I love it. Dude, it, it ends on a on a cool like the, the, the there's like a zoom out shot and what you see is just like, oh fuck. Like yeah. that's really yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Is uh that's not the one with John Bond, is it, is it? Oh, Don Bon Jovi, that is. <laughs> is he in it? Isn't he in one of them? Yeah, he's in one of them. Oh, I he might be not. in that one. I can't I, even remember now. But it, all I know, he is, seems like a nice guy in real life. But I just, I can't stand him in films, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Was he in part three? Maybe that's why. I'm hoping it's two. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not seeing him on three. No, it is two. No, now that I'm thinking back, it is two. Yeah, that explains the dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John. So, bon yeah, I. I wanted to throw that on there just because. Uh, give it a chance. Got to champion it a little bit. Yeah, sure. that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, man, we have got. We right now are. I think we're in. Um, uh, oh man, I'm gonna fuck up my own joke. I'm not gonna get to tell it. Uh, <laughs> give me just a moment here. Um, uh, fuck, I'm gonna fuck. Oh. We are in director's cut of Once Upon a Time in America territory right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the four-hour mark. This is Jeez. epic. Um, it's five in the morning on the West Coast. So yeah. Let's be dog-ass tired. Uh, it's 8 a.m. here. Yep. Uh, we've been up since four. Um, is there anything else you guys want to mention? Anything quickly, just like a honorable mention or anything before we get off? Well, then I'll do. I'll do it on my number thirty. Oh, yeah. man, I'm so sorry, dude. It's late. <laughs> it's all good. Woo. My number 30 was uh, Blood Junkie from 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Made for hey. $6,000. Oh, my gosh. At least we're uh. still ending with that limp dick. Yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> amazing. Yes. How'd you see this? Uh, Blood Junkie? Yeah. It's on Vimeo. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those movies that like trauma totally like took took advantage of and, and bought out and oh. you know gave them nothing um and it's actually it's actually a really fun movie i, I like it a lot uh so yeah <laughs> very cool the blood junkie and since i almost fucked you over there do you have any honorable mentions you want to go over first we can go over um no no go for it man kelly no, I, I didn't think to even do any honorable mentions. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, any? Uh, man, nothing I can think of. Okay, I'll just name mine. Uh, Prokofiev's uh, Peter and the Wolf Stop Motion. It was on Instant. Really cool little film, about 40 minutes long. College Kickboxers, fucking amazing. you got to <laughs> see College Kickboxers. got one of the greatest villains in the history of B-movies. Um, Her Vengeance, which is the Category 3 Hong Kong bonkers version of Ms. 45. Uh, it features features an amazing um, Lam Ching booby trapped wheelchair. It's I, I'm pretty sure the wheelchair is booby trapped. I might have to get to you about that one. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I'll, I'll sort you. Uh, Together <laughs> Brothers, which we covered on the show, Davy Mack programmed it. Very cool uh, Houston based film. Bye Bye Brazil, which was also on Instant, feels a bit Jodo. It looks at this traveling circus group and um, like a strong man, a kind of a magician, and like a kind of woman that does dancing and shit and the industrialization of Brazil. Very cool. The Witches, which is a 1990 film. Probably most of us have seen. Disney. Uh, cool. Uh, Sauna, which was also Midnight Ride. Yeah. Uh, the Uncool Cat programmed it. Very cool. The Imp, another Midnight Ride. Um, 
not as bonkers as I thought, but it was very good. The possession or ghost type film. Uh, Malpertwis or Malpertwi or Malpertius. I don't know how to say it. I never will. <laughs> Harry Kumel film uh, with uh, it's basically based on basically based. That sounds terrible. It's based <laughs> on the mythology, Greek mythology, and it's very cool. And Alan Loftiger repped for it, and he was right. It's great. Harlan County, USA. I finally got yes. on this year. Great documentary. Um, Alucarda, which Kelly mentioned, and Perfume of the Lady in Black, a very cool little giallo that does an unexpected kind of bonkers thing at the end, which Todd and I agree doesn't always work, but it's a very cool film otherwise. So it was a great year for film as always. Uh, anything yes. you guys want to say before we jump off? No, sir. No. Everyone's fucking tired, Thank has you. to piss, <laughs> has to shit. <laughs> Everyone's going to go destroy the porcelain and hit the pillow. Uh, <laughs> listen, I want to thank you. We're going to fucking Jackson Pollock that shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. Uh, I want to thank you guys so, so much. It's been a lot of fun. I was fucking tired when we started this show. So tired. And I've just been energized listening to you guys talk about film. And now I'm in Micro Machines mode. I'm like, I could be an auctioneer right now. I'm so pumped up. <laughs> So I want to thank you guys for getting up early, staying up late, and doing this show um, for the love of film. It's really been a blast. Well, thanks for having us, man. Yeah, awesome. thanks. Thank you. Oh, it's very, very cool. And next week, we're going to have a dear friend of the show, Sleepy Chris, on for a Kickstarter show. She picked two Houston-based films. We're going to be doing Cohen and Tate. And oh. she's decided to pair that with the Sugarland Express. Cool. It's cool, going to be cool. a very cool episode. We're very excited to have her on. And we hope Sammy gets better. Lots of chicken noodle soup. And, uh, of course, that being said, there's only one thing left to say. Adios. 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 Adios.